All right. So tonight's guest is a researcher. His name's Jeremy Reese. Jeremy, how are you doing tonight? Thanks for uh, showing up and uh, wading through that clip of, of you and Richard talking. I appreciate it. You were here early too, so I felt bad, but I wanted to have that clip of playing in context for the audience. How are you doing? Great, Richard. Thanks for having me on. And uh, it reminds me why I tend to pre-record and edit things down. Um, there's a lot <laughs> There's a lot of ahs and ums. <laughs> yeah, uh, and there was also a little bit of speculation in the part that we actually played, and I wanted to let the audience know that everything that came before that was like well-researched, footnoted, these sort of things. So shame on me for not not picking the clip more carefully. We did it kind of in the five minutes of pre-show, but uh, I appreciate you making time. And uh, yeah, where, where would you like to start? You have the floor. Um, you can talk about what you talked about with Richard Gage. That was fantastic content if you want to talk about how you got started in this and like what questions you first asked and what evidence you just found and like kind of follow the trail evidence but it's uh it's up to you i wanted to make sure that you had a good platform to express yourself and uh, get the word out yeah i mean i was just trying to research anything i could about you know who was inside those buildings that could have had access because I, I mean i got kind of beyond the, the stage of realizing that it was a controlled demolition and you know the whole back and forth arguing with people about the the physics of the collapse and and the smoke clouds and the molten steel and all that stuff and um you realize that there's a lot a lot of layers to this um that you have to unwrap for a lot of people because everyone learns 9-11 the wrong way it seems and even the debunking's designed to kind of wrap um layers around the the core of this even even when you start diving into the research, there's so much um, there's so much infighting and arguments that can draw people away from kind of this core stuff. And and uh, it's easy to get it's easy to get sidetracked and distracted with with a lot of the, the stuff that's out there. But I think that um, in going after the, this core group of suspects and reminding people just exactly who Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld and L. Paul Bremer were. And how far back they they go in into the depth and the heart of this whole you know deep state this this entity we call the deep state or the new world order um or the illuminati or whatever the, the, this all these words for it but if you want to look at who's been at the core of this military industrial uh, banking intelligence complex that's what i like to call it um uh Really, you could add a couple other terms in there, you know, banking, intelligence, uh, surveillance uh, complex as well, because they, they've wrapped a lot of different, um, a lot of different heads to this Hydra, you know? Yeah, the people control, dude. Yeah. Right. They're about total full spectrum dominance. Technocracy, transhumanism, cybernetic. I mean, it's. Yeah, they, know, them, those who want to take away our freedom. Yeah, and it's 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 kind of crazy how they're so in the open, but also in the shadows as well with their connections. And and Henry Kissinger comes up a lot in this. Of course, a lot of people don't know that Henry Kissinger was was actually originally appointed to head the nine eleven commission until you know it drew draw a lot of it drew a lot of uh, attention. And well, Bremer um, worked down. for Kissinger Associates. If memory serves, I, I didn't I just looked in Dope Inc., which talks about the East India Company being transitioned to Kissinger Associates. So I looked in there in the index for Bremer. He's not in there. But Bremer, I'm pretty sure he did time at Kissinger Associates, which is a, another connection in addition to 
these other. So they wanted to put Kissinger in charge of the commission. People recognize that right away. And it's not that Bremer got in charge of the commission, but he got other key roles. He's a know, partner. His, He's a partner with Kissinger Associates. You're right. Yeah, he was like he he his position at Marsh. One of his positions was like CEO of risk management. Yeah. That, that, that the whole risk crisis. So there's yeah. a number who um, who worked with or were associated with uh, with Henry Kissinger, including Brent Scowcroft, Lawrence Eagleburger, uh, Joseph Kasputis, who was actually head of baseline financial, which is where the uh, the, the plane impacted the South Tower. Um, and then you had like George Schultz. But, you know, I agree with Scowcroft because he on the morning of 9-11, he was in an E-4B doomsday plane on the tarmac when world trade center set uh, one got attacked apparently like that's a, the official story somewhere i got his book and i got the 9-11 commission report here i looked up in here bremer because i'm like of course he's in the 9-11 commission report right but i was like i have i ever looked it up so let me show you what i found here's the official like this is the official story i got a couple of these you know just in case one got edited i got like the paperback i got the hardcover Here's this part about Bremer. And let me uh, give you a little context because he's only mentioned once. I was surprised. He's only mentioned once in this whole book. It's under the realm of counterterrorism. Talking about the 1960s and 70s State Department. Then you go down no, here Brzezinski, to Zbigniew Brzezinski. Cyclone nonsense. George Schultz, Cap Weinberger. And then right here on the next page, it picks up. Through mm -hmm. those Schultz elevated the status and visibility of counterterrorism. By appointing as its first coordinator, L. Paul Bremer and then Robert Oakley, both senior career ambassadors of high standing in the Foreign Service, the department continued to be dominated by regional bureaus for which terrorism was not a first order concern. Then it goes on and talk about more warmongers, uh, mentioning bin Laden. So uh, it just mentions him in passing sort of. Thing. Yes. Yeah, that's weird. Yes. That's weird. Does it mention that's... Jerome Howard at all? Oh, like, let me look. Let me look. For Kroll Associates. This should be a good not... game. We should make like a 9-11 <laughs> board game. Hauer. Because I mean, Hauer is an, you know, he was sort of the go to guy. It's, it's interesting that Bremer was on early on, one of the first ones to was advanced that mentioned Osama bin Laden. Then he sort of like backs it up and says something about the World Trade Center one, which that There's had been no, long debunked, I thought, in regards to Ramsey. You said exactly what no you were saying, Jeremy. Hauer. I thought it was H A U E R. Hauer? H A U E R is how you spell it. Yeah, I thought so, but I don't see that. Here. Unless I'm also. All right, yeah, we're getting uh, sidetracked. The point was, well, there was only one reference to L. Paul Bremer in the official report, and uh, yeah, H A U E R. Yeah, that's weird. Yes, definitely did not dive enough into um, these names and characters uh, in their investigation. I think that almost like they had a predetermined narrative created by Philip Zelikow, who used to work with the National Security Council people that did it. Almost or John like John Lemon, who was an associate of Henry Kissinger and a 9-11 commissioner, and James Thompson, also a 9-11 commissioner associated with mm. uh, Kissinger. So, Well, I seemed, when I looked at the 9-11 commission, like I remember there's a dude from the New School for Social Research, and that's like a communist kind of outlet here. And then there's some people from the Tower Commission, uh, like good old days of Iran-Contra, BCCI fame. Right. So it's like a who's who have covered up the last big thing. And uh, I didn't really I mean, I had hope. Like, I remember when the, they came out with this report, it was like. January 20, or, sorry, July 22nd, 2004, 2004, maybe something like that. It was a long time after 
they waited 441 days to start that investigation. What, what, what? I mean, if you're looking for criminals putting off the investigation, look no further than 9-11. But people aren't allowed to know these things. So um, you've done a good job, in my opinion, over the years of avoiding the red herrings and sticking yes. to who's who, who do they work for, what's their background, follow the money. And also, like this part about interchar, I didn't know that about Bremer until like I had come across your research and one of your other presentations. Right. But my theory was before I knew about interchar, when I asked the question, like, how could they do the things that like, there are things that produce the effects we saw on nine 11, but there's layers of them. So how did they do this part where they might've applied some sort of thermite to the construction? Well, there's construction opportunities, these upgrades, these renovations, these sort of things. But the way I pictured it was, when I saw the movie, the Italian job and Ed Norton's character goes in there and paints that rectangle and then they blow exactly that rectangle and it cuts right through the concrete and the safe drops down and then they get it out of the water. And that's like the beginning of the movie. I was like, they could paint it on like the painters don't know what kind of thing they're applying. And then when you find out they did new spray on fireproofing, it's like, mm. So well, the hidden Hindenburg, so, I didn't realize that technology had been around. I mean, obviously the nanotechnology. Yeah, it wasn't uh, nanothermite. No, I know the nano it was a came thermite later, re right? reaction, which is fascinating. Right. That that to me is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there's there's even more if we could really dig through the literature going back and stuff. Uh, it was it was funny because when Jim Meggs of Popular Mechanics was on uh, our, debating this with the, the creators of Loose Change on Amy Goodman, um back in the day he had they, they had claimed that you know thermite couldn't it was ridiculous it wasn't it wasn't a military weapon we actually found it in the um in the explosives for sabotage handbook i found it in several um you know our army reference manuals for explosives um so proved that it's it's used by the military <laughs> it's in the manuals and then we proved that it was also used to to uh, sever vertical steel columns with an article that one of our researchers found in an old issue of Popular Mechanics where they demolished a skyride tower in Chicago using thermite to melt the legs. And so like everything that they said was was wrong. And um, but yet they're still um, they still every year get, you know, it gets put out like, oh, you know, Popular Mechanics. Popular mechanics they got it. They got the answer. Don't need to think for yourself, man. Why are you even thinking yeah. about it? <laughs> Yeah, so um, it's it's pretty. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting stuff in the history of nanothermite, but um, with, with nanothermite was being developed at it was being developed by um, at 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 uh, Los Alamos Labs and the director of security apparently at Los Alamos at the time, just in that division was was uh, the same company that ran security at the World Trade Center that Securicom Stratasec, right? So they found the contracts for Los Alamos and someone traced it that's down. I'd like to really see that um, hashed all that research hashed out. I've been, I've had a number of people reach out to me and even send me more documents on, on different stuff since I was on, on Richard Gage. Um, Cause I guess more people know about, or were, you know, the, you get people coming out of the woodwork that say, yeah, I've been sitting on this for 20 years and who do I share it with? <laughs> you know, and then they see that I'm doing the research. So they send it off to me. And did and you talk like, about the galvanized pipe the other day in the, in the world trade center about, they had to replace 
pipes or something oh, like an that. Old galvanized pipes in the old yeah because i had someone That's contact me about that but material. but then i heard someone it was either you or aiden monahan because i listened to that right afterwards because you said to listen to it so i did <clears throat> one of you guys mentioned oh, i was that, him yeah yeah someone who came to him and was saying that thing and i was like i had someone contact me 15 years ago and she's like, my dad helped to build it. And he used to come home and complain like that. They, they didn't make any sense. Like the buildings weren't being built to last, built to last that they're putting this galvanized pipe and enclosing it in concrete. And when it fails, you're going to have to dig up the floor, like on oh, every yeah. floor. And it was like a crazy thing. But if you look at it as those buildings were built to be stage props to do exactly what they did and trigger their family's legacy, because it's like Nelson and David were the names of the rock. Like they were the names of the towers, the nicknames of the towers. Right? Wow. Those internationalists. I'm just so saying they cut like, corners. Well, well, galvanized pipe cost actually more. So they probably used just uh, cast iron and which encased in concrete will rust and, and, and corrode in a couple of years. They, they yeah. would have had to use galvanized. That's an old Galvi. type of thing. When, when were the trade centers built? By then they would have been 70s. 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 Yeah, by then, like that's something that was like 1920s style architecture. And then like, the other thing that didn't make like an sense old house was my parents lived in, for God's sakes, a big old stone house. Like, they would right. not use that in the 70s and for right. a building that would want to last for a long yeah old cast iron you the, the 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 casting like the polymerized casting over it would over time wear away and it just like like a steel cast iron panel just start rusting like there's that's a couple crazy. other interesting problems sense. so like if i were to okay. talk about it i would look at the pre-existing problems like what was going on at the world trade center in a couple years right before this happened they were being downgraded the rental space was downgraded from like an a to a c so like uh that's the, interesting i didn't know that okay. because of the lack of modernization I and see. lack of okay. internet and you couldn't use a cell phone really in the building because the, the the building's casing was like a big faraday cage basically so it was hard time using the cell phone up there or huh. i worked i worked up high it could have been you're up too high to get a good signal but it was notorious that you can't use your cell phone in the building even to call someone else who's in the building interesting so you'd have to like you know grab a desk phone and do that um and then why would they be doing these upgrades in these select areas in buildings that like the, it didn't economically make sense to keep them in service anymore? And then the question comes, how do you take these buildings down economically? What's the insurance risk to take down these huge, huge towers? And then I thought, well, they had to ask that before they got the permit to build these things in the first place. So maybe in the permit, there's some, you know, how are you going to take this down? Maybe they're like, we have a way to deverticalize it later on command just like they do to embassies right they can have it set up in the construction to do the thing that we observe that oh, day I see. Yeah. right so there's a whole bunch of and then there's the insurance policies prior to that and the silverstein and then the tenants of yeah Trade the silverstein and but that is that whole connection so much and interesting what history afterwards in any of those hours i have a yeah. quick question for jeremy yeah. though like you said something very wise to me earlier on like it's a lot of people start with the how the, the buildings possibly came down, gets into a lot of that ignorantium fallacies, you know, possibilities, but we're not quite sure. But you had the wisdom to see through that and say, no, we need to see, get more to the the who, what, when, and where before, and then the logic of those connections before we even get to the how. So yeah, what, you, what, need, you need what the was who, that? what, when, and where to get to the why, then right. to understand the how. That will yeah. all lead you to how it was done. But right. to, to, for you to, and I know you're, you have a background in physics, I've remember your moniker is alien scientist back in the day i used to love your videos and watch them all the time what used was to. you don't watch them anymore Tony? i haven't but well, it's been a while <laughs> they called me out it's been a while 
Um, not that I'm still at it, man. I'm still doing it with still the alien it? scientists, man. That's where we got to go in the future. Uh, that because that's like the 100%. big solution, man. Is uh, there's technology that you know the government's not just been hiding this stuff, they've been hiding a heck of a lot more. And oh, yeah. the technology that they have under their belts out there again, when you start understanding who really runs the world, who really runs the show. Um, you look into companies like Battelle, and I started researching Battelle. Um, it, it, it led me to all the like who could have developed the nanothermite. I started metallurgy contractors. Battelle comes up right away. And when you realize that <clears throat> Battelle has been around since before the Manhattan Project, uh, they and they essentially own, they don't essentially, they, they, they own every single national laboratory in the United States. All of our, literally all of our science is managed by Battelle, by Battelle in the entire United States. You can look this up. They have the contracts for every single national laboratory. Then you realize that every single national laboratory in the country has um, these patent holding companies uh, where where basically Hmm. they'll scoop up the patents and hold them and shelve them and and pay off the scientists who invent these these sorts of things. Basically, anything that would, anything that would can, uh, be a threat to the powers that be, which is, is the gold, oil, and drugs. Yeah, that run every you know the gods yeah. is basically gets bought out and shelved, and then they, they there's actual physical systems and mechanisms in place within the scientific realm to do this, and, and that's what a lot of people in the scientific community don't realize. They think like, oh, well, I could just become a scientist and go and invent like the next uh, life saving you know energy technology. That's and I not car that runs this. on water. Yeah, you know, right. yeah. Many that's not cases. the case. It's not the case. I'm sorry. Like, it's not how it works. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. It's knowledge filtration systems to these uh, review boards and these journal reviews and all this sort of nonsense. Plus, most of it's done through pri- actually most are competing for government grants nowadays. But even when it was private funding back in the early 20th century or the 19th century, still a lot of it, if they couldn't support the infrastructure already in place in order to make more money in some capacity or to uh, precipitate or continue this, what's going on in regards to electric, how the way we distribute electricity I'm thinking of Morgan um, and uh, the whole battle with Tesla and Edison and all that sort of nonsense. But to me, you provided a theoretical foundation for like making sense uh, how these technologies actually could possibly be developed. And could like here are the theoretical foundations around actually creating technologies that are gravity shielding, anti like things that really would be sort of a whole different way of viewing physics and understanding the nature of physics. And that and I was really into that earlier on because I'm like, well, if this is true, and I, a lot of my research led there as well. And I'm talking going back like 15, 10, 15 years ago when I sort of had my own awakening, then there has to be at least a, a some sort of theoretical foundation that you, it can be grounded in some sort of scientific understanding that would make this possible. I don't want to hear some sort of like, cause there's so many, when you yeah. get into this research, there's so many different, well, let's just call them sort of bad actors or just people that are just not heavy within the physics. And they're interested in the sort of what ifs and the imaginative aspect of it, or just, there's so many, there's a lot of weird theories out there and a lot of people would go down a lot of strange rabbit holes. So to me, you grounded it in a sort of physics that but you got to be able to entertain weird theories in order to get you to do, what the actual but you have to make is. sure you can, you can ground it in logic. And that's what Jeremy, and that's, that's what was really powerful about your work, Jeremy, because he really grounded it in logic for me to help bring it back to sort of a material reality. And this is how, how it could manifest this way. So and by logic, you, you mean work. starting with evidence that exists and, and deducing from first principles. Yeah, yeah. Right. This is yeah. simple.
but that's the, what we were going well that's what i did with all the electronics and photonics i mean i was i was talking one of the first people talking materials, about yeah. about yeah. spent using yeah using opto electronics and and the, the the future of how everything would be run with uh and and indeed the quantum computers they're they're now realizing that we can't build quantum computers with without this technology without right. the opto electronic technology it's just not possible so um it's it's good it's good to uh becoming full circle now with a lot of this as it's emerging and people are like oh you know people have been talking about this for 20 years now what where where is it it's like well here it is it's, it's it took 20 years to get here and it might take another uh, another 20 to get where we really need to go with it um right. but uh i think that it lowering our power power down is, is is a big part of this uh you know um realizing that we're really wasting a lot a ton of energy with the mm -hmm. way that we have our, all of our infrastructures currently set up including the um gasoline engines and, and cars and everything and then that's going to be a challenge in and of itself because you know we're trying to switch over to electric but then that the uh, the cost of lithium is going through the roof, and Correct. and we don't we don't have enough of and how uh, many that. lithium deposits. I mean, it just gets yeah, it just becomes. We can't. We don't have the infrastructure to completely, you know, replace, uh, you know, fossil fuels yet, and we right. we're we're a bit of a. But a we jam. could, we could uh, allocate land, grow hemp, make alcohol, make alcohol gas. You could have an engine runs on alcohol. You don't want to grow hemp. You can buy it from the town hemp. Uh, agora corn. and if you corn, grow it corn works great too yeah corn works great mm -hmm. but hemp's hemp's more efficient at it there's a book uh by david bloom alcohol can be a gas and then you put that together with jack Harris, uh the emperor of hemp or the emperor wears no clothes book Boom. we got that solved don't have to worry about the saudis there's actually the a Russians. bunch of different biofuels lately beyond hemp that are i said from my understanding with new technology would make it pretty much just but we want low tech we want low tech like remember back in um, the times of gandhi when he wanted to protest the the british empire they started making homespun clothing so for them freedom was a loom where they could make their own cotton so they didn't have to depend on british textiles today instead of textiles it's petroleum british petroleum and uh to get free of that we could grow hemp we could process it in alcohol we could put that that could be like freedom i'm just saying you, you know, could do that with America. a lot of different bio but it doesn't have to be hemp i'm just saying that the technology has yeah. evolved to the point where you can use a lot of different different weeds and grasses and sort of field crops such as that but yeah um cover something crops, that can be grown the laws haven't evolved everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Laws yeah, exactly. why is that? it illegal in the first place let's go back to history jp morgan and dupont wanted monopoly money and they got it still but back to the my original so it's great to finally meet you and really appreciate your work throughout uh, all the years you've been doing it what 15 plus years now i think i discovered you like 10 years ago um but what sort of made you transition obviously not away from the possibilities of how the towers could have been brought down the materials used uh controlled demolition uh different types of explosive materials but the transition to the the, the people that might have been the connections let's say the individuals that maybe have some uh sort of connection to the the trade center in some fashion like what what made you transition from the echo chamber of a thousand different opinions fighting back and forth on the how it was done and ignoring the financial connections ignoring the political connections ignoring the corporate connections what was that well, i think it was it was right around you know when all the thermite evidence started coming out with stephen jones and, and kevin ryan a lot of these guys who were investigating that but they it's like 2006 ish 
2006, 2007, all like a lot of those papers started coming out and we started looking into the thermite stuff. And that's when I was like, I really, I know there's something more down this rabbit hole uh, with, with the thermite connections and stuff. So I kept, kept digging down that, that hole. But at the same time, uh, we saw that whole wave come out of, of these alternate, like really alternate theories of um, how the towers were brought down. And um, the whole, uh, the, there was this whole theory of, um, using the Hutchison effect, which I was mm-hmm. familiar with and, and, uh, interested in. And, um, there's a whole bunch of videos uh, talking about how that some of these more uh, exotic high, high physics, voltage, yeah, situations. direct, yeah, directed energy weapons and stuff yeah. like that could have been, you know, used to, um, to vaporize the towers or, or other, other, uh, you know, more unconventional methods. So I, I, <laughs> of course, you know, like, you know, become, you know, like, entangled with that because it's 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 more science to kind of dig more stuff to dig down but what you and realize there's layers to it too because it's like it seems laughable but there is footage where a girder appears to just vaporize it doesn't it, as it's yeah, falling it just it's, disappears it's steel, and there's there's right? cars that are half rusted and there's materials that have gone through like perfectly gone through other perfectly like my cemented. point has always been because very I worked, strange it is i had a client strange. that worked there each floor in the world trade center is one square acre so yeah. that's one square wow. acre of Jeez. concrete and rebar under our feet because it's all open floor plan supported by the interior columns and the exterior mm-hmm. columns right so there's all that that's there and for 220 square acres of concrete to vaporize pulverize turn into dust I don't know what kind of energy it takes to do that, but it's more than comes from jet fuel in any equation I could figure out with physics. That's true. So but the thing is, that, like you vibrational people, people molecular think that, dissociation. There's something else there, unless thermite accounts for it somehow. Oh, I was I was yeah. totally into that early on, yeah. just from my research into alternative potential right. energy solutions to Jeremy's. But go ahead, Jeremy. I'm sorry. Right. The whole thing with um, molecular dissociation, if it was steel and, and you're using directed energy at your, or microwaves, um, it's going to, you know, it's going to spark. It's going to sparkle pretty brightly, uh, just mm-hmm. like the, the argument that they used against the thermite said, oh, it was, it, the whole thing would have lit up like a sparkler on the 4th of July. So it couldn't have been thermite. You know, well, the same thing would have happened if you sh- if you put directed energy weapon on on the metal, especially the aluminum facade on the outside of the building. Like you mentioned, it acts like a Faraday cage. Well, how did they penetrate? penetrate to the, the core, you know, columns in the building if it was directed energy weapons. And, you know, you come up with all these really scientific ways of, of asking the questions and looking at it. And then where did the energy come from to do it? If that, you know, it's much easier to store it, that energy in chemical form right. inside devices that are pre-planted within the buildings. And why are they all this effort to look at a hurricane that was, you know, a hundred miles off the coast. And it, it just seems like distractions from, you know, what we should be looking into. Which but without is, that, hurricane you would have had a cloudy overcast maybe day and that hurricane sucked all the clouds and all the smoke that day out of the set so from the camera and the you know all the cameras were looking south pretty much yeah that day and as the set design the, the wind blows all the smoke left all yeah. day which There's is going strong east, wind too right so it's it's it was a it's a, it's something that you can continue to look at and analyze and look and see what are those angles it's not just that there was a hurricane there there's a whole naval armada out there just off the coast of long island when this is all going down and then you see some navy helicopters maybe flying around the the trade center while it's on fire there's are a whole you bunch serious of stuff. wait there, well, there's um, the naval armada was there Rich, is that part of the that's not part of the norad it was hurricane games. aaron yeah so it, the whole thing is you have there's a whole bunch aaron, of facts that's the woods angle but to jeremy's point 
how do you penetrate like a Faraday? Cave? And then there would be some sort of friction with the waves. With the I mean, I know about planning and and a, you know picking the date of September 11th for esoteric mm-hmm. and other reasons. That's but it's uh, the birthday creating the a Pentagon. hurricane. They created a hurricane too. I mean, it, it's yeah. It maybe you know it was I a lot. Yeah. I don't know. Anyone Lucky claimed, happenstance, but um, I'm sure people did claim that they created the hurricane. I just think it's yeah. That's uh, they only created they created the hurricane and then stored the energy in that and then used they sucked the energy out of it uh, to to demolish the buildings um, later. <laughs> is there so a that, cartoon of that one? That would be pretty good. No, this, this is some some out there, but you know, and, and it's some logical cartoon. <laughs> I, you got to look at these things logically and and, and i'm right. still like we still got a bunch of hutchison guys that we talk to and bring in um every once in a while to to try to show you know where they're at with with that technology um no one's no one's really there vapor uh vaporizing steel towers yet with with it but uh I, i'm still open to anyone that can show me you know a, an example of how to do this um you know, so I, I, I try to try to be open minded and science to the science that exists. That's what you're, you know, you're, is that your limit? Is that your line in the sand? Like things that either exist or we have, you know, evidence that they've been researching in this area and it could exist because they've been ha- pouring money in. We can't see. So it's like up to the line where we can see plus a little bit further because we know there's a lot of top secret stuff that we they're know doing. that they're 20 years ahead of whatever they're telling us out here in the public. Oh, at least, and yeah, I went to Lockheed Martin say those 75 years. I was going back about 12 years ago. They were saying they might have had some more military technology. Whatever is in the consumer level is they're 75 years advanced in the military level. At least that was his claim. It was some managing director at Lockheed Martin. Like, well, is that because they got uh, a time package, time capsule package from Lockheed Martin 75 years in the future? Is that how they got ahead in the first place? (laughs) I mean, you guys are like this close to talking Philadelphia experiment with that whole hurricane and you know we might have got something it, i don't think it was made by lockheed martin but uh we might have right. gotten we might have gotten a window into uh something much more advanced in the future that'd be like an ether physics sort of thing. all of a sudden we had the silicon chips physics. and you know all sorts of technological advances right after 1947 cia all sorts of stuff well, National had, Security uh, Act. john john trump john g trump took over tesla's work he's uh knighted sir knight john g trump no way he was knighted. oh yeah he got knighted by uh queen elizabeth i'm pretty sure that's trump's uncle i mean there is it's a weird could have been king edmund or edward or right that's what they were saying it was like trump 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 holds the uh the the secrets that's what someone was saying (laughs) they had that time travel book the the adventures of baron trump from like the 1800s yes yes Uh, i remember that too yeah that's entertainment what you and i I look into daily as our research work is not entertainment it's like oh these are the sad facts of the matter that people aren't really getting to right and um there was a point in that richard gage clip where you guys were talking about 1993 world trade center bombing and um the informant for the fbi i think you said ramsey youssef but he's the guy they put in jail for it the fbi informant is a guy named Imad Salem. He was an Egyptian military officer. His FBI handler was a guy named John Antisev. And when I first met Jason Burmas, uh, so this is like 2006, my wife and I drove out to Oneonta. We're hanging out with Loose Change. And Burmas tells me about Imad Salem. And I didn't know about that at the time. I didn't have those details. And he's like, brother, you can have the recording. 
and he goes to the internet. He's like, here's the FBI guy right here. So I got to sit there like, oh, wow. And, you know, Salem's like, uh, you're the one that to- told me to switch the fake bomb for the real bomb. You got, you know, and, and they're arguing, it's the calls about arguing over expenses for him being an informant. But during that conversation, Salem was like, you guys are the ones that told me. And he's like, I know, I know. And I was like, oh, geez. So yeah, understanding like the context of what is Iran Contra, what was BCCI, these sort of things. And then 9-11, the story is a lot harder to believe the official story. Cause you're like, wait a minute, you guys have been grooming Arab proxy forces for like years. And you got those from the British. So all of a sudden now those guys are rogue. Over They're not working years, for you. Yeah. yeah it's, yeah. it's crazy. Cause that's, it, that's when, um, John O'Neill was hired to investigate, uh, after yeah. the world trade center bombing. That's when he started getting into all those networks and started learning a lot about all that stuff and, and became the expert on that. And that then, was the only other detail. I think that I, I heard like, uh, I don't because you said he started that day or the day before. What did no, you it was like a, it was actually there was rumors. Um, it, it turns out that he he started like a month before. It was like like August twenty third or something. That's like why that. I brought up yeah. Jerome Howard because he's the one who got him the job. If I remember yes. correctly, and Howard told the yeah. White House to go on Cipro. Yeah, Cipro the day of the day Howard that it happens. If I remember correctly, works That's- for Kroll. And then you had a bunch of dirt on Howard in your presentation. What else do you remember off the top of your head, Jeremy? Well, um, Howard had been like knew knew exactly how the towers collapsed before anyone else did, and and you know was assured that it was probably the jet fuel that you know heated up the beams and and caused the structural failure. He was at um, the event one hundred and one meeting. Oh, was before the, event two hundred and one? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm um, saying back for nine eleven, it was called the event one hundred and one meeting. <laughs> That's where they decided on that how things would go that day. Yeah, yeah. We'll have to see if there's a video for that one. But go ahead. Sorry. Um, there was another connection that, uh, oh, I thought it was interesting that Richard Gage mentioned that early on when he had started Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth that Howard had uh, signed on and reached out, but he didn't, he didn't trust him. So he didn't put him on the list because he thought he was up to something. So, but apparently, you know, Howard was suspicious, became suspicious. He said he didn't have really, really questions about the twin towers, but building seven kind of like, you know, didn't, wasn't sure about how building seven came down, apparently, according to a conversation. And I told Richard, like, you got to, you got to dig up this conversation. He said he recorded it. I was like, you got to post that, man. Like, that's incredible. That's incredible, actually, that he, yeah. that Howard reached out to get, that's so wow. <laughs> it's far out yeah. honey pot so, stuff there there was another point you brought up that i didn't realize and um so i knew world trade center seven solomon smith barney brothers building right mm-hmm. i didn't realize ssb had that much uh real estate in it it was like 83 percent of the building was them and then the rest was cia sec you know emergency bunker so they had a large part of that building and that rumsfeld and who else was on the board of directors of that company at the time when it happened because i was like that's not coincidental right there they also had a small office on the same floor as the oem uh, apparently so i thought that was interesting it's like well they wouldn't want to have to rebuild the towers and have world trade center seven stick out like a thumb so they were kind of like i might as well pull it we'll we'll build all three or we'll build the whole thing right Cause at the end of the day, it's a, I've always looked at it, seeing the players that are in it. It's like, first it's geopolitical strategy 
to bring about like their wet dream as expressed in the council on foreign relations and the project for a new American century, like new Pearl Harbor document underneath that it's a real estate scam. It's real estate fraud where they take out insurance policies, they individual terrorist attacks on each building. So they get moolah coming out of that. They wanted to redesign and modernize and they wanted to have somebody else foot the bill for it. And then out of that, they called it the Freedom Tower, but it's not the Freedom Tower anymore. And the memorial that they built on that place is like a black hole abyss. It is like such a disturbing uh, monument that they have there. And if there was any justice, they would have taken that square area of real estate, whatever it is, 10 square acres, that part, and said no no commerce can ever been uh, transacted on this ground ever again because of those attacks, right? But that's not what they're doing. They're like they got to rebuild the whole place bigger, better, stronger. When I saw the rebuild of World Trade Center Seven, it's such an ominous building, dude. You can you can just tell it's so over engineered, so that no terrorist attack will ever take this building down again. And I'm like, these are permanent structures these people are building, and they're not the set pieces that got torn down that day. And uh, yeah, it's pretty. Pretty ominous the last 20 years, what they've gotten accomplished with so little resistance or people catching on to what they did. So, yeah. Yeah, thank it's, you. A, it's amazing that um, I wish they had this. I could take like a time machine back with some of this information to like 2004 when the when it was first. It, it could have just hit so much harder than it did um, in the mainstream because they were just able to take all these alternative kind of theories and just and just beat this uh down in the public uh, public eye to the point where i uh, can't you can't even talk about it without offending people and and uh they don't want to look into the actual information well it's one of those cases where they're the the victims had to get close to their abusers and then anyone who questions it the abusers are saying oh you're you're doing an injustice to the victims by looking into these events but it's like an I mean, analogy to what's going on today stockholm syndrome dude yeah, it's a form of Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh you know, looking back on on that entire situation. I mean, one of the things I did recently is I went back and just reviewed very quickly like what are the justifications for how these towers came down? Obviously, it's the burning of jet fuel that weekend. And so the argument, you know, there's always back and forth, which is like, well, it's you know, jet fuel at that burning at that uh Fahrenheit wouldn't be able to warp the steel enough for it to collapse in the fashion it did and world trade center seven they argue there is one major column that was the key form of the structural integrity and that was on fire for like seven plus hours i forget the number of time and that that caused a free fall collapse of the building once that 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 beam gave way but it's sort of you know in that the, the issue comes into just physics it's like well free fall first of all even if if, when, if we, we we grant them the the hypothetical that okay jet fuel can burning at a specific temperature can warp you know and it, because the 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 beams are open essentially the jet fuel somehow was on fire and then fell the whole way down to the whole like to the bottom of the base somehow warped all of it enough burning at various temperatures that it would cause a straight collapse the way it did at near free fall speeds. Um, that that's to me where it's like, if anything, wouldn't it buckle at certain points? Wouldn't there be different there be structural integrity issues? It'd be inconsistency. So I'm going, you back wouldn't have like, two similar buildings doing the same thing. The exact, th- well, th- neither one really, of them fell two, over sure. and I know all mean. the other buildings. Right? That's what Though, I mean. 
there were iron girders from World Trade Center one that were shot 500 feet across the street through Merrill Lynch in the Winter Garden behind that building. Girders don't do that if they lose structural support. They fall straight down. So there's all sorts of like whoo pyrotechnic incendiaries but people aren't used to watching such things and that's they i mean that's why i really liked that jeremy not only looked into like the aig and marsh and you found those connections but then you went and found all those other connections which which the what's the longest presentation what's the one that has like all the stuff in it do you have a name for that um I don't have like one that has everything. I, I made like three different versions of um, of the of a, a documentary that I did about this. Uh, one was called the first one I did was called 911 uh, Conspiracy Solved. Yeah. Uh, names, connections, details, and stuff. And that one's probably the most thorough. And I kind of chopped it down from there because it was a lot of, you know, a lot of stuff in there that didn't need, didn't wasn't core and didn't really stress on this whole continuity of government group, which I felt was like I, I later, you know, realized was an essential, you know, core to the nine 11 where it was initially planned, you know, uh, when you, when you're looking into that, um, the disaster scenario, the think tanks and all that, and uh, scenario 12 D, you know, that, that whole concept of that uh, scenario came from those cog think tanks. And uh, that was a, a core part of it. And I did another one called black nine 11 after uh, Mark Gaffney's book kind of talking about some of the, um, the D he had, he had elucidated in that book. Not, not all of them though. Cause he's got a whole theory on flight 93 in there mm-hmm. and um, how it was taken down and, and exploded. But uh, the whole hammer fund and all that I covered in, yeah. in the black nine 11 one, which uh, a lot of the, a lot of the financial guys, like um, people who, who, who really watch what, what you do were, were interested in that and, and wanted me to focus more on that and future things. But I don't really have the financial background to kind of understand that so, so well. And I had one guy reach out to me who did, and I uh, wanted to connect a couple other dots for me with, with his investigations and stuff. So I, I, I got to reach out to, I got to reach back out to some people. Yeah. My uh, only on problem that. with, I mean, uh, like the problems that I remember with this book were there were ambiguities in his writing about my experiences and those ambiguities had been removed. I thought through the correspondence and provision of evidence. So he, it was like, he was taking like this way over here, Grove, Grove claims. I'm like, well, I, you know, at least Grove has provided evidence to the, you know, toward the claim or something. Right. Mm. Uh, so it was almost like, but anyway, I thought it was a good treatment. He looked at uh, AIG and Kroll and Hank and, you know, uh, you know, the whole Greenberg family. And um, yeah, I mean, there's so few people that talk about this. I was thankful that he's like, you know, new enough to ask me and not just write about it without asking, you know, he's like i can actually go to the source and get documents instead of looking from afar so uh yeah, yeah. i remember a couple of interviews i'd seen with you um you talked about michael dukakis i think was his, maybe his name um some of these other uh some of these no, other but his last name does start with a d and i'm not looking to dox him and get his organization's uh looking at this podcast oh yeah huh all right cool we'll talk we'll have to talk about that more privately then um but <laughs> but i'm pretty uh, sure because i I told Gaffney, I'm not going to tell you his name, 
but his name's in the documents and here's where it is in the documents. So it's like, I didn't want to be the doctor or leaker, but uh, yes, yeah, he's a character. Yes. We'll call him Definitely. Mike, Mike D and it's not Mike Delaney for anyone who's here from <laughs> autonomy tonight. It's not Delaney. It's another Mike D from New York city from the beastie boys. <laughs> no is he the one that passed away because i don't want to be associated no that was adam yeah. any ill communication <laughs> all right so um the documents surrounding some of these companies uh the financial ones you didn't look into but you started looking into the manufacturing and production and like military contractor providers of you know, things like that. And that's where you got like dresser industries, hammer, and you started finding like a small group of people and the companies they sit on and the family control of these things. Right. Like you mentioned Securicom, which if memory serves was like Marvin Bush and Wirt D Walker, right. Yep. That's Wirt two Walker. Bushes because yeah, he- Wirt Walker is George Walker Bush's side of the family the walker side of the family and then marvin bush was also part of that so he's a direct like he's george what, Bush's that brother. Com, that's a cure com right marvin bush yeah let me bring up yeah. i got it in the history blueprint here let me see if i can get and that. a lot of those guys came from the carlisle groups um mm-hmm. you know um frank carlucci had had uh, worked with a lot of the uh, those stratasec employees um for a company called bdm international which did a lot of navy black projects and well and carlisle group was meeting on the morning of 9-11 Right. And it had H.W. Bush and Salim bin Laden, the brother of the accused terrorist. And H.W. Uh, Bush had spent the night in the White House that night to go to the Carlisle Group meeting in the morning. And that's when 9-11 happened. So you got all these dudes in the, in the, involved. But I didn't have um, was uh, Securicom Carlisle Group company or they were. Yeah. Only- so Carlisle Group um, was a you got to look you. You got to look up um, the BDM International, which is uh, Braddock Dunn and McDonough or something like that. Um, I'm pretty sure I don't have that, but BDM is Brad, Doc, Dunn, and McDonald. That's what it is. Yeah. So Braddock, Dunn, and McDonald. So it's 1990 Carlisle Group to buy BDM. Okay. Yeah. And the Carlisle Group bought them out and um, brought a lot of those guys over to uh securecom stratasec this is kind of what they did before and um it was called stratasec before right securecom is the the name later is it always secure it it was securecom but then a company a similar company sued them for that name and they had to change their Uh, name to to secure to stratasec and during that lawsuit apparently they had like had had a bunch of frivolous motions and frivolous filings that just showed them they just wanted to show their um legal opponents that they had money to burn and you know with when it came to lawyers apparently um Posturing a little bit yeah yeah i had securecom under kroll marvin bush wart walker and then off to the well, side clients kind of like World trade kroll. center dulles yeah. and united airlines but i didn't have los alamos is that what you had mentioned earlier yeah i have to find i'm gonna get that contract and, and um and I'll find it for you because Kevin Ryan, I think, is the one who um, he he published this in an article called um, "The Top Ten Connections Between NIST and Nanothermites," where he started just connecting the dots between you know NIST, 
this company called SAIC. Oh, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Scientific yeah. Applications International Corporation, which SAIC became Lidos Corporation. And then Lidos, uh, that's where that's where um, Barry McDaniel ended up. Apparently, he works for Lidos Corporation, according to his LinkedIn account. And uh, he was the COO of Securicom Stratasec on, on 9-11. That's interesting because just looking at some of the notes I had here, also worked for Patel Hatfield. Was, hold on, let me see. Well, Hatfield is isn't that the name supposedly... of the anthrax guy? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yes, that that's correct. And as according to my Didn't notes, Jerome he also Howard worked work for with Patel, which is the, the chemical company you were talking about earlier, Jeremy. The metallurgist. Uh, the metallurgist, yes. Oh, not chemical. I'm sorry, excuse me, metallurgist. And uh, they were they were awarded a huge biodefense contract, supposedly right after 9-11. SAIC. Dun, dun, dun. So then S-A-I-C. Hatfield was a friend of Howard and he was working on supposedly anthrax that's the claim at or am at the fort Detrick. yeah but uh port and down had the same copy of that oh, okay uh a aim strain of anthrax it was also going to britain as well okay and britain britain would also have a motive to send those letters to those people with that wording because it's uh anglo-israeli relationship that's expressed in those those notes and then Howard, on top of that, being friends with Hatfield is the one that tells him to take Cipro Bay on the day of 9-11. That was before this. That's well, there's just you got to get out your so 9-11 many, coincidence bin, Tony, and put that in there and say there's nothing to see here. It's just a coincidence. And that bin will get very full. Very preponderance quickly. of evidence. Holy shit at this point. I mean, uh just, and then you know the connections with Patel, which I I was I for, completely forgotten about. I did not realize that until Jeremy brought that up as the metallurgy. That's just interesting, as well. Jeremy, did you ever check out the document where the Joint Chiefs of Staff changed the aircraft piracy rules, uh, June first, two thousand one? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, there. I, I I spent a lot of time trying to find that exact because that was a claim that was made in a number of documentaries and and other things about, around nine eleven is that they this they changed the um authority of who could you know sh- order a shoot down and yeah. the, just to make it just the vice uh, vice president apparently they yeah. removed that power from the joint chiefs of staff and others in the chain of command. All right, but so I, let's see if I have it here because I had it linked to a Google search. Like this is the Google search you used to do to find it, right? And it would show statement on aviation security, but that's posted 2004, right? Yeah. Now it could say as amended June 2001. I don't know if I trust that. Um, this might go to it. So I'd have to relook it up, but I have the actual title. I have the links. We could go back into Wayback Machine to find, and I also had a copy of it here. Let's see what this post is. Again, uh, this the title of it was Aircraft Piracy, Hijacking, Destruction of Derelict Airborne Objects. But uh, I'm looking to see. Yeah, so that's, I'd have to relook it up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. PDF. What is this? Notes. That's somewhere. Notes. We have some plan. Oh, this is 9-11 Commission Report. Oh, so if I go to page, yeah, it's 11 report. You can see the top. Yeah, yeah. So did I put in what page it is? In my notes, do I have notes? Let's see, notes. 
No, I didn't. I left myself hanging. Control F, maybe? Uh, Well, the point is, such a memo We talked about that a couple episodes ago. Yeah, Yeah, I have a printout of it someplace. And that one I remember, and I remember repeating that claim in, in one of my things, and and then I got called out on it, and I had to try to go uh, track it down, and, and I had a terrible time um, finding the actual documentation from the Joint Chiefs. Yeah, so I have, a, I have a printout of it in a folder, so those things don't happen, because I know the internet is tending to change these days. I just I, yeah. I didn't I don't have that folder down here and I didn't think of looking this up, but I wanted to make sure that you knew it existed and someone's already tried to call you out on it. Why don't why don't they want people to know that that exists? Right? Cuz they they now know it's hard to find. So it's like, oh, you might give up on presenting that point. And I'm like, yeah. no, that's why we got to go to that point and get it out there more and um I could uh Yeah, we'll have to we'll have here. to d- dig that dig that up cuz I'd love to um I have a and this too. I like to L- take L- things L- like that and put it and resurface them every now and again, you know, to make sure that they, they, you remember that, that video interview with on MSNBC with L Paul Bremer, I was taken down three times by Google video and it was, uh, it, it used to be banned, you know, from even being presented. Now you can actually find it if you search for it directly and scroll down to page, you know, 70 <laughs> on YouTube search. <laughs> It's I'm funny bits because their algorithm and I was trying to paradoxically copy send it seems... to LD. Sorry. No, you're Just good. Delay. Now to Jeremy's point that a lot of stuff does get hidden and the algorithm doesn't pick it up necessarily if it doesn't get the type of hits because it's weighted based on hits and the interest that people give it to certain degrees. And then they look up certain keywords associated with it and it has a sort of complex if thens around it. But it's just uh if it's something that doesn't have a lot of notoriety, there's stuff that still remains on youtube or other platforms that otherwise uh you would be shot down if it had if it had the certain cloud or notoriety with the number of people that watch it so that's a good point whereas you know one of the big things in true stream media to sort of a brilliant uh production about it is what's been happening with the internet obviously over the past for me it was a throughout 2016 election in america for us when trump got elected or i started noticing and the, the cultural reaction to that uh, the internet became conspicuously, I mean, before that, people have been doing research and alternative communities, which I've been a part of for a long time, working with Rich for over 10 years. We had already noticed this trend, but it didn't become really conspicuous to me until about 2016, where it's like you would search for something, it's even what I would consider to be somewhat benign, and all of a sudden it would never, they, they, the, nor, the websites I was used to frequenting, the blogs or the news sources, they're all of a sudden not available the same way. And that's where I started noticing the algorithm was becoming very stringent. And um, I think they got, they, it took them a while to get hip to that. Honestly, I, I thought, I thought they, they were slacking on the intelligence uh, in, in my, my opinion, because for a number of like four years there, we dominated YouTube and Google video, like Google video, like we dominated great. Google video, like, when that was up, it was like we kept all the conspiracy. 9-11 conspiracy was at the top and we kept it there for a number That's of all years. Was. That's <laughs> yeah. all it was. Yeah. I was what my the main conspiracy videos I would watch was always on this was when I was in college, it was on Google Video. I actually probably downloaded what I could if it was even programs to allow me to download back then. I have to go back and look. Because I mean, then they took it down. I mean, that was so long ago, I can't remember. But I guess they're having trouble policing that. And then YouTube popped up, but YouTube 
was sort of a wild west too they couldn't really police anything on there as well i mean that the sort of censorship around youtube didn't really pick up until again the whole seemingly around 2016 which it seemed like i don't remember what precedent needed to then go around justifying supposedly that they need to control speech which is very dangerous all right so this is this is the this is what this show does here we get to the bottom of stuff okay you go to google books you type in this you go to page 458 in the 9-11 commission report here's the footnotes but wait there's more we can actually look in the book the hardcover that i showed you earlier let's go to page 458 and let's uh zoom in right here here's the aircraft piracy and destruction of derelict airborne objects june 1st 2001 joint chiefs of staff memo they did change stuff right before 9 11 and this is why cheney can stand there and say in the uh the the bunker and say yes the orders still stand did you hear anything to the contrary because the orders were changed he was in power of saying don't shoot it down don't shoot it down let it hit the building up until then there was a different chain of command that would have had that alleged flight 77 shot down uh before it got anywhere near the pentagon and when you ask the question who changed the rules you got the people who were in charge of the operation so it's interesting that they claim that such things don't exist and it's right there to be looked up at um uh, and I already had that page marked so in the hardcover. No, wait, that would have been three months before. Yeah. Yeah, three months before. See, if you look okay. in my copy of this book, there was a I, green tab. I think I have the actual right order here. On this page. You guys. Uh, is, yeah, we're, so, yeah, we can see it. I had a green tab, see? On that page. I just highlighted it, but it, that page was already marked for such things. Yeah, it would be in section C and destruction of derelict airborne objects. Ah, there you go. Again, it's in de- it, it, it refers it refers you to enclosure, enclosure D. D. I remember yeah. there's like a whole bunch of these. You have to jump around and you have to have all these to like piece it all together because this they hit it in a lot of uh, you know like legal terminology. It said like, oh, you have to you know refer to this section, refer to that, <laughs> and refer to this. So it's you have to piece together like three different sources right. uh, in order to. Yeah, I remember they made it very difficult. And, and then hope and hope with piecing it together, it doesn't become circular. That right. they're all just don't reference each other as to who has the answer. Yeah, it's what I'm well, they do the thing. They don't give us all the information up front in the first place. And then over time, they just slowly keep taking away the facts that used to be there and easily referenceable to help people understand. Right. And like you're saying, like 10, 15 years ago, it was a heyday of all sorts of people were noticing these things. And now it's like, mm, that information is not available anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's it right there. Yep. Yeah. Control Control plus for a second and just like kind of zoom in on it. So people at home can like see that screen capture. There we go. Juicy screen capture there. Boom. boom. Look that up. Read it. And then show it to people who think the guys with box cutters did it all. Because you asked yeah, the question, pu- how did how did the guys with the box cutters write that memo? Yeah, it was in their favor on 9-11. That memo <laughs> plays in their favor, bro. Well, it's so nice it's, when you start out with the questions and the answers you want to get, and then you just have to spend the do a sort of does it say limits are at the bottom? I'm sorry. I thought we were in Operation Northwoods. This is a different document, apparently. <laughs> Vice Admiral Fry. Yeah, 
brought to you by the people who do you would stand a profit why would aig have connections to them crow and then there's marsh largest uh one of the largest law firms one of the largest insurance groups aig as well and then you have crow associates one of the more corporate investigations industry yeah yeah it's really private security corporates investigate exactly yeah, like the private Curacom is basically like a Kroll as well. Now, Kroll has connections to the CIA. It's like they're private contractors. There's connections to private contractors. It's like an international private intelligence agency. Right. Yeah. But basically brought to you by certain state actors, not America. But they were, um, they did a lot of the electronic security and badging, uh, the Securicom Stratasec. So they had all the uh, contracts for the cameras, the you know dvrs the surveillance systems and also the uh, electronic you know swipe cards to get do you know how to do the the proxima cards do you know like how to read the information off of one of those cards because i still have my original world trade center id which is a it doesn't look like it but it's a proxima card and when you would put it near the thing the doors would open and whatnot and i would like to see like what information is actually on the card you know yeah, we could try to we could we could check that out. Uh, I needed a um, nerd needed, to ask that question too because I'm like, yeah, I don't know how to do um, it. I'd have to, I'd have to run it through like um, I'd have to go get like the systems to do that. But you yeah, you have an FOB and an FOB reader. It's called a FOB FOB. Yeah, um, we do that in our industry actually. That's interesting. Yeah, I wonder what information is on it. It, it, it. Normally, it's just a PIN number, and that number is actually associated with that card in the, in their actual system. Yeah, like so, but it gives um, me which gives them authentication. Yeah, yeah, because um, when you go to the World Trade Center back in the day, they would take your picture and give you a paper temporary card. So every time you went there, you had to stand in line. And finally, I was there often enough that Marsh was like, "We're going to give you an ID." So I went down to like ninety fourth floor. 95th it was a downstairs thing and i didn't have to use the elevators every couple floors in, in the in the marsh area they had a stairway that would go down to the other floor so i went down to security and i got a hard pass and um but it only let me open doors on like 96 97 like where our office and our workers were as like you know contractors so uh but i still have that it's good through december of 2001 so it wasn't expired yet yeah, it's generally, um, I mean, they, I'll tell you how some of the systems work and they're on different zones or different areas and uh, some of them are cleared for for those areas that you work in um, and some of them are, you know, can be like individual doors, individual zones and stuff. So they have it all organized inside of like a, a system um, on a computer where, again, it would be, a, your number would be associated with an ID card, which would, which would have uh access granted to it within a, another secure program i just didn't run. know how much information they would have stored on it would they have like my address telephone number driver's license number other things associated with not with necessarily the on the card but no, the it would be associated in the with, computer in the yeah. computer so like then that's right. that's where the servers would connect with that's like where the erp systems would come in they would connect to different databases that then would be able to pull up so like that number could tie you to another database if they wanted to look that up in the it staff to see your name your address but that wouldn't be on the card itself the cards is relaying a number that's on a database to jeremy's point because we do this when we set up security yeah. and manufacturing corporations when we do the erp systems like it just all relates to like a central database that then 
can tie into other business processes or other business modules, depending on what you want. So that fob, that fob, that area is just a, basically it's a magnetic inductor and it activates a, a chip inside the, uh, inside the card, which has an RFID, um, thing in there. And all that RFID thing is it, 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 it spits out a number. It's, it's a radio, yeah. radio frequency active identification number. And it just, when it gets the electronic charge from that, you know, when you put it up to that fob, it spits out the number. And then that there's a reader inside there that reads that number that it spits out. And that's yeah, that's, right on. All right. So there's, there's no information lurking on that card then that's waiting for us. to All the information on the computer based on the number that it went back with those computers and those systems are long since. Yeah. They don't exist yeah. anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows so. where they went? It, <laughs> Convar. That's, right. that's a good point. Convar. Yeah. <laughs> Convar. Yeah. That was a good one. I should have mentioned that. Uh, that's another key piece of the puzzle. I, 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 I should probably I mean, go if you back look at over. it as like a forensic historian or some, or just like a forensic investor, not even a historian, a forensic yeah, a German company recovering all this hard drive data found in yeah. the rubble and then German company it. and then curl buys <laughs> it. Now, all the, the steel is shipped to China. China. So, I mean, I, it's like China. Yeah. So like, it's just a very weird. You think of a crime scene, you want to preserve the evidence as well as, as well as you if can. If you go back to... to the original Ocean's 11, mm -hmm. there's Sammy Davis Jr. Putting like shape charges on girders in the building. Cause in both Ocean's 11s, there's a deverticalization of a building. Yeah. And there's a, a gang, like a whole thievery type thing going on while everyone thinks something else is going on. Yeah, a lot a of switch. Yeah, some really interesting symbolic directions. Well, when did they remake so. Ocean's Eleven? And when did Matt Damon and, and George Clooney turn around, face the camera while the building go, drops behind them? Why right? name Why be Eleven? Well, I guess it goes back to the 1960s film, which goes back to them. Probably a George novel. Clayton Johnson. Mm -hmm. Wait, really? He's one of the. Uh, yeah, yeah, he wrote that. He wrote that. I did not know George. Okay, interesting. Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. He might have had a partner on it, but he wrote that. Okay. Yeah, back in the day. All right. So, um, yeah, where were we before we got stuck in George Clayton Johnson land? He's also in the Jack Harrow movie, now that I'm thinking about it. <laughs> the Emperor of Hell. I'll have to go back and watch the original Ocean's Eleven. Talking about Convoy, though. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Hard drives in the, the dust picked up by Kroll Associates. Well, there's a bunch like Jeremy. There's a bunch. I'm sure you know about most of them, but there's the the Patriot, right? Nine eleven, nine pounds, eleven ounces. There's uh, like oh this yeah, I remember finding stuff reference. like that. Yeah. Okay, so at the movie, at the beginning of the movie, the Mel Gibson movie, The Patriot from like 1996 or whatever that is, um, he is making a rocking chair, and in the first scene of the movie, he's yeah, weighing like a rocking chair, and he says nine pounds. 11 ounces then he sits on it perfect perfect and i was like what who needs a nine pound rock like what's the deal with that man and it's just this interesting part of but then like, he that sits would be more on it and it, it falls it falls apart revelation right? of the method. so like it's there's yeah. a whole yeah there's the whole revelation, revelation of the method yeah. so. planning ahead of time and letting people know like the lone gunman and those types of things that they put out before then you know would they have a uh, commandeered aircraft going into the World Trade Centers a couple months before they actually did it. I mean, come on, no one's investigating that. Yeah, so oh, that science fiction show. Yeah, I mean, there. Yeah, there's. Was it the, oh, the uh, X Files or the other yeah, one? X -Files. The Lone Gunman. Lone Gunman and X Files. I think were the two. I yeah. was thinking of. Yeah. No. 
yeah that was an amazing episode everyone i show that to is like this came out before 9-11 yeah yeah it did like so a couple weeks ago we went over the titanic sort of because it's sort of uh came up and it was interesting because it's sort of like the first case for the potential conspiracy around insurance fraud at least like that's one angle that can be played because there's a sister ship what was it called the titan oh yeah two there's two yeah and there was damage and they couldn't get the insurance for it or the olympia that's right yeah yeah. but the book the titan was where they come with the hypothetical fiction wreck of the titan or wreck of the titan yeah but the book yeah wreck of the titan from 1898 fictional scenario about and then the first like couple of pages that outlines almost exactly what happens with titanic but it was the olympia with um and it's weird because you know that ship gets damaged they couldn't get the insurance on it it goes back to harbor where exactly the titanic takes off from yeah i don't know there's a lot of very strange coincidences around that whole situation as well. so it's hard to discern it's well, like it's a hard. weird it analogy. takes work it takes purposeful work to discern the the correlations from the mm-hmm. causations and yeah. these things that are like bright, shiny things, but don't tie into the who, what, where, when, why, and how. I did Trump just read that book and decide to name his son Baron, or is he really a time traveler? <laughs> <laughs> Synchronicity can, you know. or coincidence. Yeah, it's he's like, this wing. will really mess with people if I name the kid Baron. So, Jeremy, I know we talked about this a little bit earlier, but um, someone in our community just asked me, and maybe we could, I want to actually sort of follow up. A, sort of twist the question a little bit. Sorry, Tim. Tim asks, any thoughts on Dr. Judy Wood, dustification, use of directed energy weapons? So yeah, we had so we'd started we- getting into that and I didn't really like come full circle with that because, mm-hmm. you know, again, you mentioned that the, the floor plan was a one acre wide. So so you got to think about how big those floors are and how 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 big the object is, that spire and that video and stuff like that. Because... Right. Um, you can't claim molecular dissociation with the resolution that you're viewing that at because it, 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 it could just be dust. And as point. I mentioned that all a lot of the steel in this building was, was uh, fireproofed on the inside with the spray on fireproofing that spray on fireproofing wasn't so much a paint as as it was gypsum. No. Interesting. So, okay. So gypsum is like drywall material. So if, if you um, start cracking it, 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 it turns to dust quite easily. And, and if you're blowing up a, a building's worth, it can create quite a bit of dust. So there's arguments that, you know, what you're seeing is, is re- in reality is, is dust. You know, it's, it's not the building turning to dust. It's just that a lot of dust is, is, is going up in the air. Because Judy Wood also makes the argument that, you know, there wasn't a lot of a large rubble pile left over. In fact, you know, there's numerous photos of the of the rubble pile. Huge. And a lot of it was shipped off. Like, like that's massive, six stories, massive. 60 feet, yeah. about six stories. But I remember seeing some of those photos early on. I mean, it, there's a there's a massive rubble pile. That's exactly true. I mean, that's. Yeah. So there's certain things that Judy Wood said that I just uh, um, I don't agree with uh, as as far as the, you know, the forensic evidence and the facts and just her using of a lot of she did. She avoids a lot of scientific terminology and in favor of like kitchen item, you know, the, yes. the, bubble, the bubbler, the fizzer, you know, like this. Well, it's like I always try to separate the messenger from the message because she's almost like the most eccentric person you could have positioning the topic right and i have her book and i like to listen to everybody and you know i reserve my right to make a decision later i don't know yet but i'm looking at all this stuff right 
yeah. so if you separate her and put judy wood over here eccentric presenter and just look at the the stuff that she's saying it's like does the government use tax dollars to make any type of energy weapons oh yeah department of energy right yeah, and so there are aspects of this they do have technologies they haven't review revealed Correct. to the public That's all these types of earlier. things right that's right but so that so i would go away to uh so i'm not i don't know about her her claims but is that a like they showed it to us in a james bond movie where they had like the satellite golden eye or whatever golden eye yeah golden eye was actually an operation the golden eye is the name of um ian fleming's uh or was it uh it was one of their uh their hideouts down in the Bahamas. So there's a golden eye like plantation, but there was operation golden eye back in world war two that Ian Fleming was in on. Right. So I'm not saying it was directed energy weapons or anything like that. I'm just saying the people running the show have already shown us predictive programming where such things exist. And you've had this Reagan star Wars program and armed satellites and rods of God and all this stuff floating around the planet. They might have yeah. used something that we haven't seen yet, and I'm open to that, but not from her. I'm, explanation I am. I'm open it. to it's, yeah, me yes, too. Yeah. So that's certain. that's where I wanted to transition. The question is like, because you mentioned you have people that still that you communicate that talk about the Hutchinson effect, which she obviously um, is big into in regards to field physics and directed energy weapons and these sorts of concepts. So I appreciate your openness to say maybe Judy Wood isn't the best representation for that, or the evidence that she's pointing to isn't the best evidence to to implicate. The or use of directed energy weapons but, on but, purpose to make the or it could be right, it could be a straw man it could be a straw right. man to tear down the possibility that some sort of weaponry was or was not used but to hide the fact that there possibly has been development of but on the flip side of that of i watched that heavy watergate movie one time and i had concerns about the department of energy too what are they up to over there <laughs> but know? i appreciate the, the, the so it's been about the jeremy though i appreciate the fact you still because Judy was dubious, but still are willing to at least consider a possibility. Because a lot yeah. of physicists, a lot of people who have been trained in the science, you know, you're, you're trained as a physicist. So there's a good interview that she did with Greg yeah. Jenkins, um, where he's an actual scientist who who really is knowledgeable about a lot of this stuff and, and asks her a lot of really good questions and catches her in a lot of stuff a lot of uh it's a good interview uh greg greg jenkins um if you want if people want to di dive into that and look that up um and i've asked judy wood to come on and debate and i've asked her, her you know proponents to have debate with me on this and stuff and they, they they tend to run away from uh that kind of stuff they 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 tend to go on a lot they he she was real popular in a lot of uh you know, underground channels, including going on, you know, coast to coast, coast, AM to coast and right. stuff like that. So she, she, she made the circuits and, and then they sent out a massive email campaign uh, that to which my professors at a small state college here in Massachusetts even got their um, emails and, you know, wow. they, they, they had gotten the emails and forwarded to me because they were like, you know, my professors were like, well, Harry, this is up your alley. I know you're into all this stuff. So, so they sent it to me and they didn't, you know, they didn't really look into it too much themselves, but it just gives them the, the impression that, you know, cause they're so busy with, you know, their university duties and whatever they're doing in, in research in grants, hyper-specialized fields and whatever. They, they don't are. bat an eye at that stuff. They just forwarded it to me because they know I'm interested in it. And, um, but, that's their interpretation of what what this is out there and of course I, I i you know responded back to them and showed them you know the, the, here, here's some of the other 
theories and, and, and other, other information on what happened as well. So, you know, that this isn't the only woman out there questioning the science, you know, um, there's more, more legitimate, you know, uh, questionings of the science and, and height and, and with a little bit less, uh, you know, speculation on, on what, on what, and she try, tries to say that she doesn't speculate, but her first, uh, right out the gate, she had published a paper with Morgan Reynolds on directed energy space-based, you know, weapons systems. And he used this to work like the, in the yeah. Reagan and Bush administrations. Right. Cause I've talked to Morgan Reynolds before and I was like, Hmm, this guy's maybe not like us. He's a little bit different, you know? And so, yeah. um, he was the no planer and no plane theory saying that, you know, the, oh, the tower, the tower, the holes weren't big enough for the impacts and the tower, the tower stuff. And the only, the, the other guy saying that was this guy, Albert Stubblebean, uh, who yeah, came, who's psychological warfare operations working with uh, Rima LeBeau. And, and he was mentioned by Kay Griggs in that six hour talk that used to. Oh, that's know, fascinating. Shoot, right. I forgot about the, yeah, I yeah. Kay Griggs, but I didn't remember that connection. Cause yeah. I remember her talking about that's Kissinger. Why, as you bit, learn but, names, you got to go yeah. back and listen to that because a lot of what she's talking about, general gray and all those guys were involved in exactly what that's she's all specified. Cy-war. That's all Cywar stuff. Yeah. It's psychological warfare. Exactly. Yeah. So you start looking into that. I, I, the whole thing with the, the Judy Wood thing is it, it was just, it tried to make people look at hurricane Aaron. It tried to make people look up in space everywhere, but you know, inside the towers. And, and yeah. it was, Don't I just look at the at vault it. underneath the trade centers. Don't <laughs> look at the financial oh, yeah, look away, look away. <laughs> or, or look too closely, look too. Yeah. look in the fine dust and look on, on this. And, and now, now we're arguing that, you know, Oh, well, when you vaporize the, the aluminum and the iron in the building, it turns to what looks like nan- nanothermites because it's just vaporized building components. So, so there we've explained away all your thermite stuff uh, and you don't have to look into that anymore. So and that's why they covered it with aluminum 50 years ago. And then you can come all full circle back to the construction. It's, it's an interesting piece of work. And I think the truth is somewhere <laughs> between where you're covering it and where, like there was, um, I'll well, use another cinematic reference, there, Rich, be careful. A, a cinematic re- reference, um, 1984, 85. There was a film called real genius with Val Kilmer no, in there. A great film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In there he's, uh, you know, they take these hyper smart kids at a university, which is a front for military research. They get these kids to make a super laser and then they find out yeah. the military is going to take the laser up in the air and vaporize targets. But they tell space. the students that they're doing it just for it's like research or some yeah. sort of hypothetical project. It's not yeah, something they're actually trying to manifest. In front of them and stuff. Yeah. It's a it's a crazy movie. But so I think it's somewhere between what you're describing and what they probably have mm. on national security, which means we have to guess on it because we don't know exactly what it is or how it works. Well, but if that laser was an invisible part of the spectrum, if they used energy from a non-visible part of our spectrum, so that in, the laser is not. Uh, apparent to the visual eye or to cameras but the effects could be dependent See, that's that's a jeremy's yeah. point There's about the penetration radiation yeah. and it all it all depends on those free electrons in the surface of the material right. that you that you're right. trying to you know so if you have an ionization energy it, it it will it will knock those electrons off and ionize them and that that causes sparking. the two big questions is like where do you Turning get the force. energy to do it and then if there was a directed energy there should be some this contracts so this contracts for who built those uh directed energy la- lasers or masers or whatever have you and there's energy okay. you know there's a lot of technical detail in, in within those contracts or the patents for, for those devices um hmm. you know which okay. which you can look up a lot of the stuff on on how you know 
part like particle beam weapons and uh another another things that they've experimented with is department of energy contractors and researchers working on such things yeah yeah it, it's department of energy but also the, there's a number of you know private companies that have developed uh similar systems with Maybe direct energy weapons. Well, B, like... bae is a big one yeah um yeah. british Raytheon. aerospace engineering mm-hmm. Raytheon. yeah, got... yeah. Raytheon. So there's a number of uh, companies with the contracts, even for U.S. naval uh, laser weapons. You know, so they have these systems on our battleships that can take out um, incoming, you know, missiles. Yeah, I've seen those ones where they like chain that. a bunch of capacitors like together to have like a sort of it's it's like a laser like weapon almost that was interesting on a massive naval carrier where it's just like chains of capacitors which are like almost like mini batteries in a way to store up enough charge then have this. Uh, ridiculous well, but the, the problem was the energy to generate that chart like that's to yeah, have that over and over wheel. again they use flywheels and stuff to oh, charge okay. i would say this group is is part of the the globalist not friendlies right so did they have any capacity to make some of the things maybe on 9-11 up here because they're they're right in the midst of autonomous weapon systems bandar bush michael chertoff carlisle group mi6 one of the yeah, things it, it would be interesting yeah. to look into that i mean as far as the energetic capabilities go it's just uh it's just more plausible to me to to believe that that came from chemical energy stored in you know pre-planted explosives that it, it seems like these alternative theories are trying desperately to get people to look away from you know those types of connections i agree um, that's occam's razor too one must not multiply entities beyond necessity in other words multiply hypotheses and, and like the chem- chemical energy this the energy stored in Sort of chemicals would be in other words to, also from a cost perspective and a cost for right the possibility right yeah Occam's razor too. says there's no need to bring anyone else into the 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 buildings coming down when the owners plausibly did it themselves Fair yeah enough, yeah exactly Fair no, enough, right also um you know like as far as a, a space-based weapon it would have to be in a, a geostationary orbit to That's you know right. strike the same point on the globe twice because otherwise you need two of these things and then that doubles the cost and if they they're this this kind of energetic capability that you know and then again the the issue is, is that if, if you have oh, a weapon that has capable of this level of destruction why didn't why aren't we using why are we still drone striking weddings and, and why aren't we you know taking these guys out with these these weapons from space this, this you know light from you know <laughs> and why haven't we have haven't there been other targets you know internationally that we've taken out with this you know you know weapon or other nations possibly having developed similar technology I mean, it just it, it multiplies again entities beyond necessity go back to william of Ockham. the idea is this ifs and ifs and what ifs you know hypotheticals and type of hypotheticals and type of hypotheticals about i would more say because they haven't unveiled it publicly yet and they it's, haven't it's had because of the strategic use of whatever they did on 9-11 they haven't had to do much else i mean Fair when 9-11 point. happened they were like oh these guys jumped and they you know the, we know that they allegedly took four but the news that day was like they had eight airplanes that they hijacked and this could just keep happening for days there was like no like they'd have to shut everything down but nothing ever happened really after that except the anthrax, right? So it's like Al Qaeda had the us down, but all of a sudden they let it, yeah, <laughs> yeah right? the, the C four that he tried to light with his bick, which doesn't make sense, and that's like there to tell people who can think that's a fake story, and it's right. there for people who don't know the difference. Yeah. So there's a 
there's one more question from our from our audience. Don't mind, Jeremy, that uh, just asked, can you ask him about his position on the nuclear theories? Oh, like the Dmitry Kozilev. Sort of Dmitry, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So as a researcher, it's our job to like consider all theories. We don't know until we observe it and start to look at it and think about it and let it marinate. And we don't have to make a decision right away on any of these given things. So I remember going through Kozilev's research. And I found it somewhat compelling. I'm like, they did something. Well, I was actually with you at that time. And that was, it was interesting. They didn't blow out the bathtub that, that would have let the, the Hudson river in. Like it was a very precise construction, you know, type of thing. And when he said they'd use this all the time over there and he had experience, I was like, okay, I'll listen to him. So what did you think? Do you remember doing uh, that? Yeah. Research? It's just the uh, nukes that don't, give off the radiation signature and don't have the byproducts apparently they're like they're micro like almost like fifth generation mini nukes or place uh, charge uh, shape charges but but there was tritium being shot out of that um uh that real estate for yeah a long time apparently there, some of that yeah. tritium can be traced to the exit signs. Uh, apparently, they have a small amount of the radio radio device to open the exit signs. Interesting. Um, during a during a power down, or you know, there's no power in the building. They want the signs to actually glow. Um, yeah, I don't know about so, that. If I buy that, because I this, thought the tritium detection was from like what, what's the half satellite life on that? Like, because you'd have to do like what a spectrometer reading and like for how long does the tritium or yeah. the ions from the tritium last? Like, there's so many questions that. So there's a study, a dust study that was done um, by Deutsche Bank, and there's a couple other ones that you can you can actually have the isotopic uh, readouts um, on on the uh, on the on the scale. I don't think that there was uh, any okay. solid evidence of uh, radioactive isotopes, you know, indicating um, the use of nukes. So I kind yeah, of... I didn't get that from Kozilev's research. I remember from back, like within a couple of years afterwards. And I remember seeing some maps and it being like credible information, but I hadn't connected it to any micro nukes or anything like that. I didn't hear Kozlev's thing till like probably 10 years after that. So there it's interesting that they the use compelling to me. Sorry, go ahead, Jerry. Yeah, it's just interesting that if it was disinformation that they'd use like a Russian source for it, you know, to kind of like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> He passed well, away though, didn't he? Recently, I forget if he's. So still... my thing with the thermites always been like I remember seeing. Okay, so <clears throat> was it the nine eleven conference? There was some counter arguments against thermite. Like no, no, I just remember I, I, I was at the nine eleven conference in two thousand six, and I'm pretty sure I walked into the auditorium, and Stephen E. Jones was either presenting or somebody was playing the footage that he plays where. It, the, the 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 molten metal is just coming out of the side of the building and you're like there's a exothermic reaction going on there that doesn't look like jet fuel and that's where i first kind of became aware of that uh that hypothesis so i was like that's one thing to cut those girders but it doesn't account for the pulverization of all that rebar concrete right so i've never thought the same stephen thermite... jones with the cold fusion Stephen. yes oh you not get that oh man it's i forgot yeah. it's been so long oh my God. And yeah, uh, the heavy water gate, Stephen E. Jones from the Department of Energy that threw Pons and Fleischman under the bus, yeah. apparently looks to be the same Stephen E. Jones that doesn't work for the Department of Energy and sells his thermite. But if you looked up his contracts and what he did for like, I don't know if it was Lawrence Livermore, but I remember looking into it and I was like, hmm, it's almost like 
you would have I've a tried guy to get Steven the... to come on and clarify that because I, I wanted I wanted to get him to come on and give like an account of that. He had sent me a link years back on you know clarifying his work on cold fusion and 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 directing Pons and Fleischmann to hold that first press conference, you know, so that that they got so much flack for in this from the scientific community. So oh, I would love that science that isn't really done by yeah. So there's there was a number. Uh, it looked like there was a concerted effort to to uh, character assassinate Stephen Jones when he started speaking out about the thermite stuff. Because anytime I'd post that stuff around, I would get these same the same people um, approach me and and give me that mm. information. And I and I, it would come from a number of different sources. Um, I mean, well, I much- saw it because I watched the Heavy Watergate film, and I was just doing like cold fusion yeah. research, and all of a sudden, it's the guy on screen. I was like, "Is this the same guy from the 9-11 movement?" It is, and I rewound it and rewound it and watched, and it's like when the Department BYU. of Energy, when BYU, the Department yeah, of Energy yeah, yeah. was threatened by Pons and Fleischmann, the Department of Energy sent their own James Bond to kind of disrupt the situation, and it just seemed like when the thing came around and it was like nanothermite. And I was always asking, what's the source of the powder that you guys analyzed? And when you get to the answer that it was just like anonymously sent to them, I was like, how do you even know it's from the same site? Like it wasn't like collected by anybody that we know from the site to be like evidence. And so, so there's a number, I, I got some of the names of the, of the people that actually collected the dust. And is it like and Niels Herrett and those guys back in the day that was like the, that, that group that did the analysis. Yeah, Neil, Niels Harrett was one of the guys that did the analysis. Um, there was uh, a number of people that saved dust uh, samples and then submitted them. Um, one was that Kelly, Kelly. I have her in that in one of my slides there from my my uh, my presentation. I thought, but her one of one of woman's name was Kelly. There was another older woman with uh, some real Coke bottle glasses that. Um, you know work near the world trade center she's she's got to be dead by now she was really old then um 20 years ago so i again yeah there there are names actually for the people that collect the dust and submitted the samples and stuff and there's also a record of approximately where the dust samples were taken from um and that's all in the uh, bentham open report i believe um the 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 studies that were published uh but it's in the first part of it, like the chain of custody of where they got it from, because that was an important factor with a lot of you it. You would have thought everyone would collect dust from the scene, but no one really, I don't know. It's like, I saw the dust. Well, the I didn't collect any. Moment, right? like, I have uh, volcanic ash from Mount St. Helens upstairs that my grandparents had gone there as tourists after the thing and got me the volcanic ash. And I used to take it to show and tell and be like, hey, but you would have thought that, you know, having things like that, I would have been like, here's an empty vial. Let's get some, you know, evidence and who knows what we can do with it later. But let's, you know see what's in all this dust that's everywhere in like inches deep. i don't really blame you or others for not considering that though no. if you think about the shock at the moment that. yeah dude like yeah, and i remember right. the debunk the debunkers coming out and saying that you know the the uh microspheres were um fly ash from an incinerator dump and all these other you know they're coming up with all these other plausible explanations for the the the, uh, the evidence that was coming out and uh so there was a there was a lot of um a lot of that early on and then yeah they, they tried to position stephen jones as you know yes he was this doe inside man to disrupt the cold fusion thing and that's this is and they try to frame it as that's what he's trying to do with the 9-11 uh oh i issue. remember that 
know. But that, that heavy Watergate sort of film was like from the 90s. So it was like a pre 9-11 film. That's the other thing. It wasn't like simultaneous to that. It, it existed in the past. So there was that, that. that accusation came before then in uh, the heavy water, heavy Watergate. I have to check that heavy Watergate film out. Yeah, it's got uh, the guy from uh, Quantum Leap. Uh, Dean Stockwell is the narrator for it. I'm pretty sure he's like a. That was he's doing some I voice work in the nineties. Long time ago, it's actually yeah, revisited. That I haven't seen it. In I know Paul, my buddy Paul Verge had asked Jones on you know during an interview or something about it, and he just smiled and walked away. You know, so nobody has gotten a, an official statement, and I don't know that he's published a statement or anything like that. I'm not, I, I don't need it. I just when I look at these topics, there might be something from Department of Energy other than thermite is what my thought is. That's all. It has nothing to do with the messenger. It's just about like what technology exists on the show. Yeah. My, from my understanding with Cold Fusion is that there's even departments still this very small amount of funding. Like there's a small Italian university and there's a couple other universities around the, the, the globe that will do that have a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of funding to try to reattempt re it but they can only sustain a cold fusion reaction for essentially microseconds or something US like Navy that labs which proved... could just be a magnetic sort of yeah spaywar uh, Larry Forsley of spaywar and the US Navy's lab um, yeah. confirmed tritium production in cold fusion reactions so that they've come out with a lot of evidence you know showing that these these types of nuclear reactions are possible possible right that's of, what I've yeah but the Lattice, problem is they is aren't getting... interesting that it's connected to this Hutchison effect stuff with yeah. a lot of the research that I've seen, uh, the people that are working on it. Now there's a guy uh, called the Martin Fleischman Memorial project uh, named Bob Greenier, who, who does a lot of his own personal research into uh, transmutating uh, elements with, mm. on, under similar, you know, cold fusion effects and stuff like that. So there's, there's some interesting the symmetry of nu done. nucleic to the, 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 the nuke, well, no, this like the nucleic part, like the protons, the electrons, and the neutrons. Like, there's some sort of like weird symmetry, geometric symmetry that occurs with, under like the the fusion reaction is happening because of some sort of like weird symmetry, some sort of like field effect essentially that is causing that is like um, what's the word I'm looking for? Well, normally, like, in normal fusion, you have uh, what's called the Coulomb, Coulomb barrier, and uh, it's the this outer electron shell has this uh, you know number a, a charge with the electron yeah. shell and you can only push two protons you know close enough together in this coulomb barrier provides a you know massive barrier to overcome and if you could cross that barrier then the, the two protons and the, the two nuclei will touch together and they'll fuse but um nor it, normally we do this through through an in like fusion reactors we try to you know put a ton of energy in there it's just like a um, friction we pressure. force the yeah exactly but that's, the idea that's, is that's inside not elegant of, no it's not elegant yeah. inside of um inside of a, a lattice um of of a me metal like a metal lattice like for example they have pal palladium deuteride is the the lattice mm -hmm. that they use for cold the the Pons and Fleischmann use and uh, a lot of the replications use is, is um, deuter deuterium is, is heavy water, of course. So it's heavy right. hydrogen. It's, it's a, it's just hydrogen is just a proton with an uh, electron, a single proton. But if you add a neutron, it gets it a little bit heavier, um, but doesn't change the charge because neutrons are neutral. So it's still, right. it's still uh, the same charge as hydrogen. It's just a little bit heavier than hydrogen and that's uh, called deuterium. And then if you add another neutron, it's tritium. So heavy um, water gate. Yeah. So this is uh this is the whole idea is behind it is that if you, if you 
put stuff inside of a lattice you can get them you know things squished together and and you can get transmutation of uh elements under other hmm. conditions uh how does the hutchinson laws. effect play into that because my understanding the hutchinson effect had to do with extremely high voltages with different attracted at specific materials creates very strange sorts of effects gravity like effect so, yeah, gravity like if a gravity yeah. shielding effects which is that has effects. to do with like the whole ether theorist yeah. idea yeah, yeah, yeah. Of, so there's um, a model a model that they have of this you know your your particle in, in the box and you know that's called your hamiltonian so the, if you're, mm-hmm. you're adding real high electrostatic charges to it you're adding really high potentials to that um oh, you know, okay. equation so you could potentially you know reach different results in the end wave equation um for the physics so so there's lots of there's different models um you know including peter hagelstein's hydroton model uh that's one of the one of the latest ones and and edmunds Ed, uh edmund storms and some of these other guys are are, are working with uh, similar models for how you know how fusion occurs in, in these uh these types of situations and stuff but again the, the experimental side of this is is we have we have some you know data on this but it's no one's from any of those organizations has come up with you know a, a definite you know plan on how to use wave interferometry or hmm. uh any of these you know methods that have been claimed is is going on in the physics you know no one's actually been able to demonstrate and show this you know happening and then and then also come up with uh you know working reaction uh, or something or working working hypothesis of of, of how to do this how it's done you know how do we take a a laser and 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 vaporize steel and 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 molecular molecular dissociate steel to like lasing a stick of dynamite so, so as it's, far it's as the cool nine- theory, it's cool, cool stuff, but it's like, where's the practice? And then that's, that's sort of where you have to, you know, separate the science from the science fiction. Correct, and, yeah. uh, I have to give you the science trivia because I talked about real genius, Val Kilmer. If you go to the 1996-ish film, The Saint, mm-hmm. also with Val yeah, Kilmer. That's another Val mm-hmm. Kilmer. Elizabeth film, yeah. Shue talks about Pons and Fleischmann. Oh, yeah. She draws the it out on the about board. cold fusion, but it's about right. the economic impact of cold fusion. If and Russia, market. oligarchs, yeah, yeah there's Russia oil. involved. It's really good, and it's not in the original theme. I mean, that's the plot in 1996, but the 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 series, The Saint, ran in the 60s, right? So you have to separate the series from that particular theatrical plot, which has Russian oligarchs, just like they got today. Well, to uh, me, it still always yeah. seemed like whether cold fusion or um, it's not typically gases, but some atomic particles that we're talking about, but the lattice structure of those particles. But like there are the Hutchinson effects. These are essentially effects that have happened. That's just like superimposing them onto a narrative in regards to 9-11, not cold fusion necessarily, but um, the Hutchinson effect is being sort of the theoretical foundation for a, the possibility of high voltage or directed energy weapon systems being used. That's where the not unlike what in. Tesla did. That was all high voltage. And well, he had a Tesla was trying to set up like a resonant transformer with like the ionosphere or something like that, which it's a static charge. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Right. Earth currents. Static charges like and hurricanes. Because that's why he built his what Wardenclyffe Tower underneath a running river system, or not river, but like a water system to create like a static charge at the top that he could then can try to somehow dial in as being. Uh, with the, like transforming the high voltages from above. Yeah. I mean, it, it was interesting. I mean, whether it's possible, I mean, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's very, it's very interesting. He did um, it live. 
<laughs> he tried to do it live and that got shut down pretty quickly. I don't know if it's possible. I'm just, I really don't. It's just, it's a very interesting theory. Um, yeah, again, I with a lot of this stuff is I have to look for experimental proof of concepts. And yeah, that's why know. I liked your channel back there. I still like your, your knowledge because you always grounded really be like these incredible theories but you tried to actually explain the possible pun. he grounds it physics he grounds it yes takes those electrons to the ground <laughs> one of my favorite videos you did this is nerd me nerding out real quick is when you were this is a years and years and years ago you're talking about the potential creating for an anti-gravity or gravity shielding effect to like a ufo like disc structure and you're talking about could you take a ferro fluid like a mercury and spin around like a electromagnet but the problem is you have to create a superconductive effect. So we don't really have the ability at high temperatures and pressures to spin it fast enough to be able to cool it enough to create the key sort of is you got to take superconductive materials to near absolute zero. But the problem is we don't have the material to create the absolute zero for material the conditions science. To... So, so now they're honestly, using liquid light and um, they're liquid using tra light. Tra yeah, it's trapped light. And um and that's liquid light so that's uh that's where we've been at like the last uh you know five or ten years with uh with a lot of the interesting research coming out on that so, you know now you're not going to need to push around mercury fluid or or, or super fluid you, you can actually just use liquid light because liquid light is itself a super fluid a super conducting super fluid at room temperature so is that almost like a no plasma is like a gas of ionized particle. That's liquid light. I'm trying to that's, well, plasma is its own a, form of it's its matter. own form of matter. Yeah. 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 It's, a little, it's a little bit different. That's I'll have to check that out. That's fascinating. I appreciate that. I have to follow up with all that. I've gotten yeah, right, one, more, cool stuff, one more dude. nerdy thing before we go back to something <laughs> else. Uh they have this bell experiment. So it's in a double vacuum of glass, and there's two batteries. There's two bells and there's a ringer and it's just ringing. And they estimate it's rung about 10 billion times so far. It's been in action since like the 1880s and it's self-powering essentially uh, from its structure. So the scientists today don't know how it works and they're scared to take it apart because they don't know how to put it back together. And they hypothesize at some point the, the thing will stop ringing. Um, but that's, it's interesting what they could build back then that still works today and hasn't been plugged into any electricity interesting yeah like the helmholtz resonances and and i was just thinking there's a lot of the, resonance, yeah. a lot of interesting stuff like that and the and the great pyramids too like the mm -hmm. uh the, the structure of the the grand gallery and and um and also like the structure of the uh even the other other pyramids like that give that give these uh weird reflect reflective uh resonances and stuff like that it's yeah there's weird sonic resonances that occur inside the various chambers kings queens chamber there's also like weird static electric effects at the top of the pyramids as well um there's a lot of interesting and very strange theories um in regard but at the same time very interesting because they almost act like resonant sort of conductors which that's well yeah like Again, is that where you get your name alien scientist from from your like pyramid and uh early origins research or where does the moniker come from um i came like in 2008 when i was trying to come up with a, a cool name for you know <laughs> a channel for youtube and i was just like well it's kind of like alien technology you know but i wanted you know it's science and stuff so like 
the whole idea of you know what would you know this whole idea of alien civilizations they got to have oh, that's what it is they have to have uh farmers and 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 carpenters and space shipbuilders and everything else in their civilization so they got to have scientists too uh what <laughs> you know and that would be like the coolest thing is if you you know if i was going to talk to any alien i you know of course i'd want to talk to a, a scientist and and figure out what they know about science and technology so yeah it's kind of where i came up with the idea idea or the name for that and uh i, I don't know I, I thought it was kind of cool because it's like nobody else is the alien scientist so i get to be the alien scientist <laughs> yeah that was a good handle for back then i remember um it was probably around that time maybe a couple years earlier i was on joe rogan.net i was consuming all the crazy stuff on that website that he used to have and he used to have a link that went to this page called elf trance or something like that and it's like it had these these monkeys in the jungle and the aliens come down and give them mushrooms. And then all of a sudden they're like building pyramids. It was this whole uh, evolution of civilization kind of um, cartoon graphic novel. And you, it was interactive. So if you went over here, you could uh, like chill out with the aliens and get some of their tech and bring it back to your people. Uh, you'd have to use Wayback Machine to find something like that. But I'm pretty sure that's what it was called, like Elf Trance or something like that. Like ELF? like uh... Yeah. Uh, extremely low frequency. Low frequency. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. I'm trying to remember, but such things don't exist anymore. I'm sure to, to easily find. It was an interesting. Someone's got to have it on the way back machine or something. I yeah. never, that's, that's cool. Uh, Rog Rogan, um, was definitely on to a lot more stuff back in the day. <laughs> I, I feel like, I feel like he got reined in or it toned down at some point, um, where they're like, you know, he has to bring they're... everyone else along with, like he has to bring the audience up to the point instead of being like, he's already been there, done that. Right. Cause I remember who was it? Uh, Kevin Booth, American drug war. He used to be Bill Hicks's manager. It was like on Rogan's site, you could get the Bill Hicks and Kevin Booth and all those dudes who knew each other, Alex Jones. It was all connected together right there. I remember going to uh, Kevin Booth's website and I looked at his t-shirts and he had one that was a psilocybin molecule. And then it like, it said, squeegee your third eye. And then it had like the chemical uh, symbols for it. And so I bought one of those. I still have it someplace. Uh, it needs to be reprinted though. It's it's an old t-shirt. He says some very fascinating people on like, uh, I mean, it's always says, but to Jeremy's point, I mean, obviously being on Spotify now, having the notoriety he does because he started out talking about mushrooms i mean a lot of it was like dmt mushrooms aliens DMT, this crazy the out there stuff because he was interested in that type of you know it started out in like a room in his house with his friends talking he's about mma psychedelics and sort of alien type of yeah just conspiracy stuff back in the day those yeah. first 100 shows or so that they did I was trying to think of that theory. Christopher Dunn, I think, was the name of the theory. He came up with some sort of chemical theory for the power plant, the, the pyramids potentially being power plants or something. And yeah, some sort of resonant, resonant the Giza power effect. plant. It was yes, called. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It was based on some sort of chemical. Uh, Does have those aqueducty type things underneath. Like the understanding yep. of how they're built mm -hmm. is still not explained today. There's a whole and, legend yeah, where Tesla supposedly visited. I've been trying to find it. Stargate. That Let's he supposedly visited the pyramids and he's had this aha moment and then came back and started construction on the Wardenclyffe Tower. Because you look at the Wardenclyffe Tower, Wardenclyffe yeah, Tower. Yeah, it connects to the wall. Yeah. 
because it has the same sort of aqueducts underneath creating this sort of static charge at the top and having sort of like resonant transformative effects with the ionosphere and it doesn't violate as far as i understand any laws of physics or at least thermodynamics you're just transforming power that exists around in a the upper layers of the atmosphere where charged particles is what we call the ionosphere which is probably coming from the solar wind to some degree or something like that so anyways right that that schumann resonances or the natural earth resonances and, and currents and stuff there's some interesting stuff there uh there's a company that's like out in texas trying to build a, oh, yes. a, one of those tower like warden cliff towers and doing some beamed energy uh, experiments on you know commercial viability of the actual technology and stuff and um i think the navy did some they actually beamed some energy to uh, a station with um microwaves recently and they they oh. did some experiments with that too so there's stuff going on with this um i guess the issue is how, how lossy it would be in yeah. regards to transporting energy wirelessly, which had to do, you'd have to type. Well, it's what happens when you stand in the, in the way of the beam. That or the, too. Or the birds that, that, that fly in the way. Yeah. yeah. Right. Um, to get bring it back to 9-11 real quick, and we'll, we'll keep you forever, but this is a fantastic conversation. I got one, well, hopefully this will be the last one, maybe not, from our from the gallery. Um, have you seen some of the new 9 This Rich and I, just to preface this, found this to be either a giant honeypot or a massive red herring. But there is this, for the, those that are embedded in the 9-11 alternative sort of truth or community, there were the Kevin Wesley YouTube videos that dropped a couple months ago when, now, Rich? When the Russia war started. Right at the day the Ukrainian-Russian yeah, war Putin started. Moved in. And some, so Tim asked from... Uh, from the community, have you seen those? What do you think of those? Have you... Can, to me, it didn't really seem to say much. It seemed to be more occult. It seemed to me to be a, a wink Honey and a pot. nod from some of the people who did it because <clears throat> it's got Anglo-American establishment all over it and secret it weapon does. systems and Department of Energy and nuclear clearances and a whole bunch of stuff on that dude's YouTube page. But it's all like on the down low and it's got Easter eggs embedded into it that only like spooks would probably put in there. Yeah. I'll have to check this out because I, I wasn't even aware of this Kevin Wesley and I found it on yeah. here and I'll have to go and alright so if you check out I watched all the YouTube videos that he has uh, yeah. it has his retirement so you can get his whole official history and how he's an Anglo-American officer and he retired in London with the American flag and the British flag behind him he had a, a Q clearance secret weapons energy clearance nuclear clearance experimental aircraft clearance a whole bunch of ominous things He's there filming when World Trade Center 2 explodes. And if you listen to the audio around him, it seems kind of scripted. Like if you're on the project, go stand there that day with your video camera and we'll use the, whoever has the best footage and circulate it. But his didn't make the cut. So they waited 20 years and then he releases it. But at the end, he plays a song as he's showing you other footage. And it's uh, America, God save him or whatever. America, the beautiful a song that was written and and, and and embargoed for 20 years until it was released, just like his footage was. So there's like this kind of like psyop thing embedded at the end of the video that tells you it's a little bit more than maybe it's claiming to be. And for those with ears to hear and eyes to see, you could see maybe it's not just like tourist video like it purports to be. 
again, it'd be great to get this guy on and interview him because a lot of people claiming that is, he's a real person, but someone's impersonating him with this YouTube account. It's his personal videos, though. I went through all the videos like those. He, you know, there's the horned horned owl predator drone type thing. Horned and owl. if you look that up, Northrop Grumman horned owl or whatever it was, Lockheed. I couldn't like it's not easily findable. So it's almost <sighs> like a not so public aircraft is in one of those videos. Or maybe I missed. There was it. also another like in that weird sort of gothic inspired sort of cathedral that under which he was um his retirement ceremony took place in england by the way which is strange yeah i thought that was interesting. there was a uh there's a poem talks about warping steel or something or warping what like there's it, it's obviously allusions to what happened on 9 11 i'm trying to remember i talked about this during the town hall but i've been too tired and i don't remember I'm trying to find the specific because there in other words there's easter eggs all over the place there's this very strange poem that he he takes a picture of in the background of this basement of this church in England. And then there's another situation where he shows because he was an altitude flight instructor or something like that. Or he obviously was, a, I guess, yeah, his resume well. is in there. I, I found so it he, interesting. He has this whole altitude chamber thing. And I'm like, what's he alluding to? Is it yeah, impossible right? to bank at those at the speeds? Um, making those sort of nose dives and then banking to the right or to the left to try to like get in line with the towers and like what type of forces are involved there? What type of effect does that have on your ability to breathe? I don't, you know, cause it's At that alleged weird speed stuff and the banking maneuvers expertly executed within split fractions of seconds of they, otherwise they would have missed the target and dealing with the, the wind speed coming from West to East when you're coming in from the South, Jonathan Here. Swift. That's what it is. Jonathan Swift. That that was the poem. Gulliver's Travels or the ones I where think. they eat people, where they eat the Irish babies. There was a video analysis of the last 12 seconds of flight uh, 175 before it hit the buildings. And yeah, that showed it showed that the built the plane made like a single corrective maneuver. Um like if you were controlling that a human pilot, you would have made like a, a corrective maneuver every like probably three per second, you know, uh, several corrective maneuvers. But the, the the plane that hit the 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 uh, south tower just made like a single jerky kind of like correction and then went right right in. It was a uh, very mechanical. It looked computer controlled, and with what we know from Aiden Monahan's research and also you know what was in that x-files lone gunman episode it's it, why why wouldn't they have uh hijacked these planes and flown them by computer it just makes the most sense to me well they have the software it's like they have the hijacking prevention software so if the plane gets hijacked they can take it over remotely and fly it and do whatever they want so they're no yep. longer you know so they these things exist at the time and yet it's the guys at the box cutters and we got to go get them over there so they don't come over here and get us again and right but we had all the we had we had planned for it and we had the systems in place they were on they were in place actually on board the aircraft that were hijacked on 9-11 so we had those systems in place we could have just shut shut them down and flown those planes from the ground uh which is just more, more remarkable once you learn that because it's like oh yeah they definitely <laughs> they definitely you know like even l paul bremer says that it 
it's really hard because you to find terrorists who are willing to do this because you have to find someone who's willing to die for their country and that's that's really hard to do you know to someone who's willing to die for this so that, that they believe in this so much well if you yeah. have if you have this technology then you don't need that all you need is, right. a, is a couple uh patsies that think they're op for agents which is opposition force team um you tell them that they're going to take part in a drill and they they got to hijack the plane as part right. of a drill and then the rest falls into place so it's That's it, sort of a little loose analogy to the first world trade center bombing or you get a, these guys who are like drill. Saudi drug cartel pilots and say, how would you like to fly for a legit airline? Here's a ticket, get on the plane. And during that, even if they did hijack it, you know, Pentagon takes over those hijackings. And so the, the guys that are in there and they're like, sir, yeah, we just engaged that, so. the takeover system. And then someone comes in and says, okay, everyone get up out of your seats. There's a new team that comes and sits in there when they're not going to land the planes. They're going to drive those planes into the targets. And so there's all sorts of scenarios, and that's right in line with Operation Northwoods from 30 years earlier. The bigger issue, though, is the impossibility of taking amateur pilots to maneuver oh, yeah. the way that's that to me was always one not of the only big... to hijack, but to kill themselves in a very strategic and like world changing way. They didn't crash it into the nuclear facility, which would have been one of the top targets if you're going to do something like that. Right. So it was like a theatrical look up here while who knows what was going There's on. There's a bunch the of weird esoteric. You have the tower. You know, the tarot a lot of Aleister Crowley symbolism Aleister in there too. Yeah, weird. Like it's just a very strange. It's sort of symbolic. Taking down the towers represents symbolic destruction of America's economy. and the, Jack the and, and Boaz. Yeah, Joachim and Boaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's, you know, and then there's, yeah. It's just weird. It's uh, the whole thing seems to be very ritualistic. Obviously, then there's the the, the put options there's the financial connections there's silverstein the insurance there's kroll there's securicom we talked about aig marsha mcclennan <laughs> i mean the gold yeah, amic, the amic corporation that did the renovations in the pentagon bovis amic bovis yeah. phoenix construction phoenix construction phoenix. had roles at turner both places also. turner construction they're a big well, I always remembered Phoenix because the tra- uh, the Pentagon, they broke ground September 11th, 1941. And so 60 years to the day on its birthday, it gets destroyed and then rebuilt like from its ashes with Phoenix construction. I was just like, you know, some people were loving their symbolism when they're putting these things together. It's entertaining script they got there. Lots of good characters. What were you saying about Bovis? These these are the big construction companies that build and also remove the demolition. And materials. you said something about the yeah, Amec Turner. was the the Amec, Well, Turner Construction was one of the uh, contractors that I know that had some contracts to do some of the work on the on those floors at in the World Trade Center and stuff. And they have to use union construction um, for a lot of that. So because it is uh I don't know what the contracts are, but they have to use union for, for a certain, for the, the, that type of construction. You can't use outside. Um, Thank you. It has to be union. There's a lot of, yeah. it, and there's a lot of interesting yeah. connections there that, that could, that could be there. I mean, the, all the unions are mo- like run kind of, it's kind of like a mafia. It's a almost. mafia. It's like a legalized mafia. And before in the past, you know, going back to the forties, fifties and sixties, it was literally mafia? the, it was literally the mafia. <laughs> I mean, the mafia had pretty much embedded the unions 
as well as, you know, the FBI and, and other organizations and plant agents. It's not like everyone was a part of it, but in order, so it sort of like runs as a, a legal mafia. Of course, government, you could say, is kind of like George that. Bush, the mafia and CIA. It's a book. <laughs> it is. Teams, teamsters to... were a famous yeah. example of that Italian mob and various other mafias were infiltrated those unions in order to, I mean, there's uh, one of the conspiracies of JFK was associated with the teamster help supposedly get him elected. It goes back to the bootlegging his father was doing during prohibition. And so there's all these very strange connections. Then they didn't supposedly JFK. Yeah. Meyer Lansky and the uh, whole Cuban connection because the Batista had come in, Batista had been ousted in Cuba and they had, and Fidel Castro had taken over and he had outlawed the gambling industry, which is a big, uh, big part. So there's, which is Godfather too. That's sort of like illusions. That's sort of what they try to point a little bit out there. It's like, Hmm, these people, they're, they're willing to die for this cause of nationalism. Um, Yeah, I got you. Operation Underworld 1938, the UK starts working with Meyer Lansky and the Jewish Organized Crime Syndicate. And then in 1942, the United States starts doing the same thing. Yeah, well, they realized that during World War II, there was actually a bombing of a ship that happened um, in the port and they were investigating it and they they got nowhere with their investigations until they they brought the uh, mafia guys in. And when the the mafia was able to figure out who exact who was responsible and how it happened within, you know, a couple of weeks uh, yeah. versus um, the federal investigations, which were getting nowhere. And so that they basically signed a deal with the mafia because they realized that we, we're not going to be able to keep our ports uh, safe without them, <laughs> you know, and True they, they were right. Well, so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's part so, of the MI6 infiltration of America is they start working with organized crime here before we do. What's well, sad to was, say uh, too, there's actually, there's there's a reason for that though it's like they're they can operate outside the bounds of legislation yeah, and bureaucracy they already ran so they a drug be monopoly more, more, and america's goody goody that's the so deal there's, there's sort of a paradox there where they're more efficient even though they're also participating in crime themselves they can paradoxically also control the ports and also control the the security around it supposedly it's it's just weird i mean that's it's nothing uh, supposedly because if someone anyone supposedly, else tries to control yeah. it they make it difficult <laughs> <laughs> it's almost another as if issue. they wanted to be point. the center of world trade well it's all just different levels of organized crime right we talk on that's level what the like wire taught me. Family. yeah the wire watch. exactly that's i was talking well, to my dad today that, about goes, the wire. that goes back to that whole uh what's the um the empire that was over there in in the ukraine the the kozilovs or whatever Oh, the uh, Khazars or the Khazars? Khazars, yeah. Oh, the Khaz- Khazarian, Khazarian Empire in the 9th through like 13th century or something the Khazarian like Mafia, apparently. It, it all oh, goes back to me. there. It all started out of out of there and, and, and has roots back to that area. In fact, it, didn't the uh, the term deep state came from Turkey? Uh, originally, I heard it was because uh, they had they had found some prostitute who was involved with a drug dealer and then it tied right into like the, the top people in government. And so they they, they came up with that whole term of uh, the deep state. Um, apparently it has, it has some ties to this whole, uh, this whole region. Um, well, you have to remember the Ottoman empire, one of the longest lasting empires in history. I mean, centered out of up until world Byzantium war one, bro. Constantinople. Lawrence yeah, of Arabia one, took yeah. care of that. Right. That's I'm right. sorry. The Balfour declaration took care of that. 
Well, it's like Spico, you had Balfour decoration, you had you know, the carving up of territory based on resources, thanks to that belligerent, that. belligerent hegemony that was World War II, World War One, excuse me. And then the British saying, yeah, 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 we don't even own that territory, but we'll give it to you once we win the war. We just got to get America involved. Don't worry, we got the under. Let we'll us teach that. you what government is. We give it's away called, things uh, that the aren't sinking ours. of the Lusitania. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Sink Lusitania will have, uh, you know, the heavy, won't say the word, but the influence of the press that are of a certain predilection run stories to sort of galvanize sentiment within the American public to get them to go to World War, you know, to it's, embrace the concept for war. And we send what one of the things about loans. world domination, Tony. They have the best interest at heart. Greater good, in other words, and yeah, that ties the, back to nine eleven. So good. Yeah. This jur- journalist Hugh Roberts has described the shady nexus between the police and in- intelligence services, uh, claiming certain politicians and organized crime who, whose members believe they are authorized to get up to all sorts of un- unavowable things because they are the custodians of the higher interest of the nation. Yeah, that's, that's, that's about it. it. That's it. <laughs> it's like that movie. Um, there's a cop movie from 2015 called war War on everyone or war on everyone something like that war with everybody the attitude of the two policemen in that movie is pretty much the attitude of the globalist like they have authority so they can like corrupt and not like keep justice you know yeah they use the artificial sense of authority in order to bolster their own positions and make it seem like there's checks and balances when in fact they operate outside the law. Yeah. And they That's set up the 25 in order cent to version. fall down. Yeah, exactly. It's the elevator. I gave you the version. nickel version. Tony gave you the 25 cent version. He's pretty fancy. He's like two bits. Here you go. There you go. So Jeremy, what's crazy the- that they're fighting over all these resources. Apparently, apparently it's all for resources at the end of the day and control yeah. over those resources. But man, if they, but they're also hoarding the technology that could you know liberate us all up yeah liberate us all and it's just right just they're kind of dicks one of the big problems (laughs) with like not talking about the more out there types of free energy or cheaper energy out and cleaner energy solutions that obviously we could invest in and, and explore is um also the way we set up the the sort of con game of crony capitalism fascism really world worldwide so it's there's all these embedded structures and and institutions and infrastructure in place. And it would the count the argument from the count, which I don't agree with, but just they would say is like, well, it caused such destabilization from a world economic standard standpoint to bring out a technology that could not only maybe revolutionize our understanding of physics, but then potentially overdo all the key infrastructure that is tied to every main institution, the way we run all of world supply chains that it would cause such an intense destabilization that adopting it would which i don't see how that that argument doesn't hold up the water to me because ds on one level that's true because then people would argue it cause like world war three and attendant famines and destabilization of the supply chain and all this stuff it's sort of like uh that movie first contact that those star trek movie from the, the 90s where they invent warps warp drive right in the and, year after 2063 I think it was April 4th, 2063. After the world had gone to war and there was only like tribes left in America and most of the world had been destroyed, but new technology had emerged and there's like a rogue scientist's engineer, you know, develops warp, warp 
the warp drive or whatever. When in reality, and, Elon Musk claims he just did. But the point, the point is that only they're trying to insinuate through an artistic representation that only can take place in a society that already is sort of destabilized to the point where we'd be willing to or could accept the new technology. It's like the new technologies that came in after World War II, like microwave technologies or something like that. And Global that's, union. To me, it just seems like an argument to try to maintain the status quo rather than accept the idea that we can peacefully initiate and implement technologies that could really truly change the world and better the human condition in a way that would be mind-boggling i think for most people to even consider the potential possibility but that's i woke when i woke up i considered that if we were to change this game it would have to be through physics and new we technologies that would be reset. able to create the de decentralized the power structure and that starts with energy what's the first thing i need to run my starts home. with taking our energy back and understanding and energy can be used metaphorically and literally in that and that yeah anyways i'm diatribing but i hope that uh, yeah Jerry, it, it's cool uh, stuff to talk about and i guess I, i'm glad we're all on the same page with it so yeah yeah i definitely... feel like we just scratched the surface but it's all it's like almost one o'clock in the morning already <laughs> <laughs> uh i want to thank you for carving out time and investing uh not only with us but we're sharing it with a an audience out there of people who are nerdy too so uh, where can people catch up with you and keep up with you? And what would you like to uh, plug or promote or uh, tell the future? Well, just uh, definitely check out my uh, YouTube channel, Alien Scientist on YouTube. Um, subscribe to me there and keep an eye out for our, you know, the conferences that we hold talking about these types of technologies and trying to get uh a platform where scientists can come out of the woodwork and and speak openly to their peers and about these things so that if if there is you know technologies that they want to disclose or declassify there's this is a a place to do that and we're trying to you know encourage free energy warp drive technology any kind of thing like that 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 exists out there uh we, we try to have a place for people to come out and talk about that. So uh, that's altpropulsion.com is the, the website for um, the, that conference that's run by Tim Ventura and, and uh, Mark Sokol and, and several others of uh, who, who are collaborating on, on that effort. And um, yeah, so it's basically it's scientific disclosure. Um, we're trying to, you know, bring a lot of a lot of different new ideas uh, out of the woodwork in terms of uh, these pr mostly propulsion technologies right now. But I want to branch out into more uh, cold fusion and free energy kind of stuff. Um, real, you know, solutions for the for the problems that we're we're facing globally now. Um, also, for my nine eleven stuff, I have a page on on facebook called 911 inside out where i have a lot of uh, my all my documentaries and other stuff posted a lot of other uh articles and related source information anytime i come across anything that's related to that core group of suspects or the or the 911 investigation I, i'll i'll probably have it posted there um i also had a website uh but i i just don't have time to keep up with the the hosting and the and the uh and the editing and everything else so I, I it's it gets hard these days but yeah um definitely check that out richard gage has got that new uh on richard gage unleashed 911 uh he's he's kicking some serious butt uh check out what he's doing with that initiative uh we also didn't even get into the whole nist lawsuit they're suing nist mm. um 
to try to get you know them to correct things and and you know with their investigations and reports so that, that's a that's some groundbreaking stuff that could potentially go somewhere um as far as accountability for 9 11 and, and and truth and justice so definitely check that out um and i encourage people to get more involved uh, themselves with just uh you know the dissemination of information man people are that people are ready for this stuff now after covid uh people are like wide awake and they're super receptive to the information now like they've never been in, in history before so it's now is the time where you know you may be like i know i've gotten a lot of burnout when i see when i was seeing 9 11 stuff i don't even look at it anymore if it comes across my news feed because it's just like no i'm just burned out on this like and and it's now's the time not to be burned out now's the time to to reignite your fire and uh and get back in the game because we're closer than ever and and something's about to break it's about to give and and you think that um we're there. We're, we're only, we're only, a, 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 we're, we're only just beginning, man. It's it, our time, our time's coming. And, uh, it's great that, uh, to see all the people in this community have, have just come full circle and, and coming together. And, and you guys inviting me on the show is great. Cause I, I've looked up to, to you and your work, uh, your book, your books, uh, everything you've done with, with tragedy and hope. And, and, and over the years I follow, I followed your work too, Richard. So you've been in, a, a silent inspiration to me as well as, as many others, I'm sure. So. Well, I appreciate the, the kind work. words, man. Yeah. You, you do likewise. And, um, uh, we should have another, uh, I'll come up with like some aspects, but I'd like to talk next time about like, when we have a conversation about nine 11, how does one put evidence on the table to say such and such took place right so like when people would say well the planes did this I'm like rules well, what of planes? evidence yeah. yeah rules of evidence uh, <clears throat> methods of identification for these various things right. um how can we be certain of, of chain of custody or you know time in service of the airlines these sort of things right so it's in those details that i think people start to get like a a much bigger perspective on what's going on and uh yeah there's a whole bunch more to talk about so we don't have to do it all tonight we got it started and, uh, well, I just want to just thank you for your work, Jeremy. I've well, I'm gonna have to get back into it. I've fallen off the wayside a bit. I'm big into philosophy, but I've got I started out in alternative technology and alternative physics and these sorts of ideas. And your channel was probably one of the most, if not the most important, I discovered in regards to considering the true possibility behind it, but again, grounding it in reality. So I want to really pick that back up and reconsider that. So I really appreciate you throwing out those resources. I'm definitely going to check that out and get sort of reinvolved with, with a lot of that work. So yeah. yeah and for anyone problem watching, now, go ahead. Good. Sorry. It's just so much. Some of those we're, we're trying to cut down on the, the length of the content because we've given presenters like an hour to present and then an hour of Q and a and two hours. No, who has time to sit there and watch two hours in these days. So, so there's gotta be a lot of work that needs to be done on condensing that sort of stuff down and, and really taking out the gems. Cause there's a lot of, a lot of dense information in there when you start diving into like the technologies and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So, right. Yeah. And for anyone who's watching, if you, if you do go watch, uh, Richard Gage's interview with Jeremy, what I can promise you is at the end, not only just Jeremy show you all these things, he connects them together. And then he's like, to do this, these people could have had command and control and he's already made the case for it. So he summarizes. And when it's like more plausible that these guys did it than those hijackers that everyone thinks did it, you have to weigh that and consider it. 
and it's not conspiracy theory. It's facts that exist that may or may not be connected together. And the only way we're going to find out, uh, you know, connected together correctly, accurately, efficiently is to talk and to have discussions and to, to figure out what we know about in, you know, getting wrong. And, you know, I, I found those couple of things that's like the most minute details in your presentation, but it's like, it's worth mentioning to Mod Salam so that in the future, you don't, you know, say Ramsey Youssef, right? And then yeah. you you make such offerings to me and I'm like, oh, thank you. I didn't know that. I appreciate that. And I think that's how we find the truth eventually is by us learning to grow together in the light direction and not be like at odds, like no one's smarter than game. all of us together right. as a team. That's I, yeah. I think you said that before and it, it really resonated with me because together we can collectively be so intelligent that we're coming up with things you know that's what we, we try to do with the scientific community but bring all the smartest people together in the same room to tr try to hash this out and then we say well if you got better ideas then then come and present you know and then that sort of puts other people up to the challenge and brings uh, smarter people to the table which is a benefit for all of us <laughs> yeah for sure all right well we'll let you get back to uh probably sure. getting rest at this point and uh have a productive week thank you and uh i'll send you a link when we clip out the interview we'll probably publish it like thursday friday this week you can share it with your audience and uh let them see all your fine work being appreciated awesome work absolutely. thank you very much jeremy yeah thanks we'll have to do this again yeah right on absolutely yeah I've and uh are you on the east coast yeah i'm in rhode island oh i'm in connecticut dude we should we should hang out this summer we should definitely yeah. oh yeah, absolutely yeah. Heck yeah, yeah. Like I have to come up then. Yeah, Tony, get up here with that new computer. And, I'm going uh, down to computer. I'm going down to Pennsylvania um, next week for MUFON. So, oh, I live, I live in Pennsylvania. That's ironic. Yeah, so. he lives in uh, right outside that place where they're going to have the MUFON probably. Well, MUFON, PA, go check it out if you want to. <laughs> if you want to meet up with me, I'll be there. So. Very cool. All right, right on. You have a good night, and uh, yeah, we'll catch up with you again soon. And thank you for all the the research and studious uh, academic work over the years on the variety of topics that you've touched upon with your research. Yeah, awesome work. Thank you. Have a great night. You too, man. Peace. Have a good night. What makes the Grand Theft World podcast unique, invigorating, exciting, and informative? Most other podcasts out there are either doing straight up interviews or they're just covering the daily news. They're covering current events from the day they happen. And that is effective. It's useful. It's a great starting point. And then sometimes these current events change during the week past the first story. So we like to give it a little time. You have to wait till some of the dust settles on these stories in order to give them accurate coverage. And the other thing that's really missing in the media landscape is covering the articles that are coming out every day. That's great. That's necessary. But who's bringing in contextual history so that you can understand what has been going on for decades and decades to lead up to the machinations and actions that we see unfolding today. So what we do here on the podcast is we cover current events. Many of these things are censored, but we wait about a week. As a forensic historian, I focused mainly through my career on the history of globalism and collectivism and things that they call maybe the new world order. There's a lot of facts to these sort of circumstances, groups, events, activities, working groups that they've had over time. So for Grand Theft World listeners, we not only break down the current events, most of which that are censored during the week, we provide you with contextual history, we give you the source notes, the references, we do deep dives, and this really empowers you 
with an understanding of context and history so that you can make more informed decisions in your life. There's also a community, a membership where you guys can actually ask questions. We can get in the show and share evidence. And there's a town hall weekly for Grand Theft World for those who listen to it and are interested in covering the stories that we don't get to during a six hour show. Listening to it an hour a day, you could uh, easily consume the week's news, but you're going to have substance and meaning and context and understanding. And with that, you can make higher quality decisions in your life. So if you're interested in more quality in your life, go to grandtheftworld.com, click podcast at the top, and we'll see you there. Thank you. These allegations are false. This isn't Grand Theft Auto, folks. This isn't a video game. What are the most surprising things that you discovered once you started pulling on that thread, who he was connected to, what institutions he was influential over, what events he participated in? Come on, man. What are you talking about? Come on, man. No. You don't have to think about it, dude. I got this quote because uh, you said you didn't know much about Klaus Schwab. I made it my job. To, as soon as this happened, I'm like, okay, this guy's their front man. Let me learn about the official history of the World Economic Forum. I got their 40-year history. I got every book that Klaus Schwab has written or ghostwritten. I went through those books. This is one of the most interesting passages. Come on, man. Come on.